Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm Jason Batarang Inman. Welcome to the podcast that covers one character in their entire history in a little bit less than an hour or sometimes more than an hour when we do a bonus episode like this. Ashley, what is this mega bonus golden silver episode? Well, this is Batman, so we couldn't do anything except be completely over the top. Very, very soon, maybe like the next time we're supposed to release an episode, you are going to get Batman the Bronze Age coming your way. Which is like what years of his history? Which is roughly 1970 to 1985. Got it. And so as a primer for that, we thought we would take our previous episodes, Batman the Golden Age, which is 107, and Batman the Silver Age, which is 383, and combine them into one mega Batman episode to catch you all up on all of the publication history, all of the adventures, all all of the evolutions of Batman from then until now, because Batman changes a lot and he's going to change even more by the end of the bronze. And age. so will this podcast episode. If <laughs> yeah. you listen to it, cause you get to hear past Jason and past Ashley talking about Batman. You'll get to hear past Jason and past Ashley in the previous geek history lesson studio and with our previous mics, which uh, won't sound as good as these. That's true. You're also going to hear how our banter has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Who's become the sidekick. Who's become the hero. What we like. Who can do the bet to see the best. Yeah, def- it's it's you. We it's we both know it's you. 100% me. Mm-hmm. It's 100% me, Robin. <laughs> Robin doesn't have his own dance. He just punches his own fist. That's right, chum. If we put the computations into the bat computer, the answer is me. Holy math, Batman. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's, it's always an amazing thing when you watch Batman 66 and you realize that computers used to work on punch cards. You just put punch wax. You put punch cards in there and they would go processing. It's also amazing how much analysis equipment Batman has in uh, Batman 66. Again, Batman 66, he has an atomic reactor in under his house. Yeah. Um, which in the pilot episode of Batman 66, a woman just randomly dies in. Go watch it again. Yeah, we're going to uh, hope there's a lot of lead in that Batcave. We're talking about Batman the Golden Age, Batman the, the Silver, Silver Age. Age. Uh, is a perfect primer for a Batman the Bronze Age that's coming up, which is we have a very special guest. Uh, enjoy this mega episode. It's an extra long episode. Educate yourself up until Batman's history in 1970. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Any uh, final thoughts on Batman and his uh, purple gloved period? Batman and his laughing fish period? I bet we're going to argue about the long years versus short years in at least once an hour in every episode. Every episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Also, it's going to be fun to hear us explain the ages in every single one. Of Absolutely. So You're going to have a really good uh, concept of this. So when you go to your um, comic book history themed cocktail party, you're going to know the ages very, very clearly. I think so. I so, think so let's do it. Let's uh, set off the grappling hooks. Let's climb up the wall and let's get us golden and silver age educated. Um, Master Wing, the butterfly has ring has rung. I, I wish I hear it. That. I wish I had that sound effect. Can <laughs> I find, all right, hold on. Ashley, I need you to vamp and maybe I can find the sound effect of the bad phone. Oh boy. All I can say is I can't wait until we do this for Wonder Woman and everybody has to listen to our Silver Age episode on Wonder Woman because I'm very, very proud of that episode. <laughs> There's a video called, okay, no, okay, okay, okay. There, I want to play this first. There is a video here called Bat Phone, a retrospective 
I want to, I did find the sound effect, but uh-huh. I, I want to play this one first because I want to know what is the retrospective on, on the, the bat, bat phone? phone. Okay. From Adam West and Burt Ward's Batman 66. Let's see what this is. Bat phone retrospective. It's on text on screen right now. Uh-huh. Oh, did I turn the volume down? Hold on, hold on. Here we go. Technical difficulties, everybody. So what happens when you edit on the fly? Oh, hold on. Like many innovations over the years, bat phones started out with the best of inceptions. Just give me the retrospective here, pal. Here we go. The Batmobile is pulling up. What's happening here, Batman? Commissioner, I'm at the Gotham City Museum. Robin's inside and I'm going in after him. You'd better send some men over. <laughs> I don't right. think this is a great retrospective. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. Real quick before the bat phone rings. Uh-huh. The guest in the episode. Um, I just saw a really interesting article. I will credit it to Bleeding Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about that they're, uh, one of the writers was making a proposal. And I know we got into Batman 66 talk, even though it's supposed to be Batman, the Golden Age, Batman, Silver uh-huh. Age. But this is very much the Batman 66 podcast, I think. I think everybody says, they've listened to this show. They know we are the Batman 66 podcast. That's the one thing I get told at conventions all the time. They know we're raging that it's no longer available to stream. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> There is an article on Beating Cool I recently read where they talked about that they want them to make a third Batman 66 animated movie, but to give Burt Ward like his final appearance as Robin. Mm. And they're like to do to just make a third movie, write it, have the same writers that wrote the the two previous Batman 66 animated movies Mm -hmm. and have it be a post Batman's death. Mm -hmm. And that that is the reason in Batman 66 why that Robin decides to become Nightwing or Batman or Batman. Mm-hmm. And, and they were like, you could have Julie Newmar come in there. And I actually, the minute I read it, I was like, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I actually like letting Burt Ward become Nightwing slash Batman. Yeah. If you did like a disco wing kind of thing. And wouldn't that be such a nice little capper to his career? Mm-hmm. Like his, if his final performance is him being Robin, the role he's most famous for. Well, Mr. Ward, I know you're listening. You can hire Jason Emin very affordably to script this for you. I would. Actually, You'd write the hell out of that. I would, but I don't think I'd be good enough. I'm not a good Jason, enough writer. Jason, yes, you no, would. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yes. I'm not in the style. At Joe and J-W-I-N no, no. telling me to be good enough. I'm going to put it out here. <laughs> the person that should write that movie is Jeff Parker, the guy who wrote the Batman Oh, uh, Jeff Parker comics. is very talented. Jeff Parker is the guy. He Jeff Parker would write it a million times better than me. He should write it, not me. Uh, okay, here is uh, The Bat Phone is Ring. Is it? Remember, it was really annoying. A truly awful sound. Robin, the bat phone is ringing. I think we should begin this episode. Golly gee, Batman, let's do it. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I am Jason Sometimes Wears Purple Gloves Inman. Welcome to the <laughs> Mine University of the podcast of Geek History Lesson. Now we call this the Mine University because this is the podcast where you're going to come in and learn. You're going to sit behind a desk. We're going to take a, a, a marker. We're going to rub it all over a dry erase board. And we're going to draw it into the image of a bat because this episode is all about teaching you about Batman, but not the Batman that you know about, not the normal one who wears armor, not the Frank Miller one who punches people into the mud, not the na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na Batman. We're talking about which Batman is this, Ashley? Why, we are talking about the Golden Age Batman, the first Batman, whoever Batman in the land of Batman. Yes, so we've gone back in time, and we're going to tell you about the origins of the Batman character, where he came from, where some of his villains first appeared, because we are knee-deep in Batman. 
Batman v Superman fever because that has gone crazy in the state of Ohio. I don't know if you've looked, watched the news reports. <laughs> state of Ohio loves Batman v Superman. On fire with Batman v Superman. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Uh, and when we get into History 101, I will explain a little bit more about what exactly this Golden Age thing is. Great. So can we light up the bat signal and jump right into the first section of this podcast? We surely can. Yes. The Tencent Origin, where Ashley is going to teach you the little pieces, the small cliff notes and batarangs of the character of the Golden Age Batman. So if you ever go to a classy 1930s Great Gatsby shindig, you can tell everybody about Batman. Heck yes. And yes, this is Golden Age Batman, so you're going to be like, but there was Batman Inc., but we're not talking about that right now. He is, of course, a DC Comics character, arguably the most iconic. His first appearance was in Detective Comics number 27. Published in, by Detective Comics. Exactly. <laughs> on brand, on brand. In uh, in May of 1939, putting him about a year after Superman first being published, created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, because editorial came down from the sky and they said, we sure do need someone more street level and more darker than the Supermans. Mm-hmm. His alter ego is, of course, famously the fabulous uh, billionaire Bruce Wayne. His aliases, uh, which don't really come up until later, but the best one is probably Mashes Malone. And his team affiliations at this time include basically the Bat Family and the Justice League. The Justice Society, probably. Uh, yes, the Justice yeah, yeah. Society. There's as no Justice well. League right now. Um, and his abilities basically break down to he's real rich. He's got and he's a, got some toys. He's got a lot of money. Um, the <laughs> the idea of the genius level intellect, the peak human conditioning, all that things that all the things that we usually joke about when we're talking about street level characters. That's that's a much later addition to the Batman canon. So that is your ten cent origin on the Golden Age yes. Batman. Yes, the Golden Age Batman, who, as we said in the intro, sounds like this. He does, kind of like Bud Collier. Ex- uh, ironically, yes. Uh, so why don't we move right on to the next section of the podcast, the meet cute section, where we're going to introduce to you where we first met this character, specifically the Golden Age Batman, yes. in our lives. That's what we do with the Meet Cute section because it's so cute. Ashley, where so did cute. you first meet cute Golden Age Batman? Okay, so here's a funny thing about Canada. Canada is a funny place. Uh, I was in... Ch- it is a funny place. It is uh, It is a funny place. I was in a church one day. At, <laughs> what? At, the Church of Batman? At, I, I freaking wish. At, uh, at the Sunday school. And um, for some reason, we were watching, um, I think it must have been a tape of the old Batman TV serials, because I guess that was godlier than the 90s animated series or like Batman 66 or anything like that. But yeah, that's the first time I remember meeting like because I thought he was so goofy compared to the animated series because that's the Batman that I was used to. Okay. Oh uh, we yeah so we used to watch the uh, we used to watch the old Batman serials when I was in church. Really, but the Batman serials. Well, it was, it was Sunday school, and they were like, "This is inoffensive." I've kind of, I'd be honest with you, I've never seen them. They're weird. I know they just. And ca- Robin has curly hair. Yeah, and I know they just kind of like the Batmobile is just like uh, a Studebaker. But that's what it was, and we're actually going to talk about that. Um, the Batmobile is a much later invention of the Bat Cannon. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So where did you first meet the uh, the Golden Age Batman? I'm going to assume it wasn't a church. No, I didn't go to the church. Of Batman, although man, I want to go to Canada and see the Church of Batman. It's a pretty cool place. Um, <laughs> I, especially, I would have loved to seen how they tied those movie serials into the Bible lessons. <laughs> it was a, it was an Anglican church, you know, so pretty progressive as, okay. far, as far as your church is. Now go. you see, at this moment, Robin is actually Jesus. <laughs> Robin would be your Jesus figure, and Batman would be more of your Moses figure. If we're going to be honest. Um, we're, we're, don't mean any disrespect. Right, we're just having fun. So, Golden Age Batman. I first encountered Golden Age Batman because I was able to read Batman number one in late junior high. Mm. Now, in my small 
town of Stark, Kansas, I had a friend named Dennis. Mm. And Dennis, he is not the coolest dude. Uh, at the time, <laughs> I thought he was okay because he had these he had this big, giant archival editions of Action Comics 1 and Batman number 1. And um, they were huge. They were crinkled. And, of course, he tried to sell them as the original editions. But I loved them. He let me borrow them. Nice. And, I, and I read Batman number 1. I remember like reading the first appearance of the Joker, mm-hmm. first appearance of Catwoman, who's called the Cat yes, she at is. the time. Um, it has a very famous cover where Batman and Robin are leaping into the yellow, and um, as I like to call it, um, that's I, have the, a, I have a pillow with that cover on it. Yeah, that's the first time that I was a, ever that I ever remember the the Golden Age uh, Batman. I went back and I've reread some of the Golden Age Batman because I remember I wrote an article for a website about how many times Batman killed somebody and stuff like that because he did. Because it's a lot, um, and I sort of <laughs> became obsessed with Batman and his purple gloves. It's a great look. Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of the reasons that Greg Capullo revisits it. And that's what I love. That's why I love that he brought the purple gloves back. But uh, that, that's my first encounter with the Golden Age Batman. Very cool. Well, why don't we move right along? Because this is going to be uh, one of your lengthier lessons here, right. at, here at the Mind University. Well, Batman deserves nothing less, especially since we've entered the Mind University, or let's say the Church of Batman, <laughs> to learn about the Golden Age Batman. Professor Ashley, or should I say Mr. Ashley, as we're going to <laughs> enter the Church of Batman, gives us everything that we need to know about Batman and I assume we're going to get some caveats. Yes. So what's the, you love them. I do love them so much as a tenant of my church. Uh, what is the golden <laughs> age? Well, uh, the, ooh, 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 I know. OK, what is it? It's a miniseries in the 90s written by James Robinson. That is not a wrong answer, but it kind of is. Uh, OK, <laughs> so for the purposes of Batman, the golden age goes from about 1939 to 1961. What? Uh, 1939 is, of course, when he first appears. 1960 is when uh, he joins the Justice League. Oh. And 1961 is when Batwoman and Batgirl uh, become a main part of his canon. So we go from being the dynamic duo to the Batman family. And these joining the Justice League and then bringing in these other Bat characters are big shifts for his character. So that's where the character shifts. That's where the demarcation that's interesting. is made. Again, because most people say that the Golden Age ends in 56 with the first appearance of Barry Allen the Flash. And and that's not incorrect. Yes. But I just think this is a more interesting version. Interesting. Okay. because So Batman's stories are pretty much it's not till 61 when Batgirl shifts that that's the shift. Well, yeah, there's a big tonal shift after that. You get a lot more of the silly covers. You get your rainbow Batmans. Mm. Um, and that's not a tenant of the Golden Age. So. Okay, got it. So we're going up to about 1961. Although, of course, the focus is going to be on the first few issues because they're pretty, they're pretty special. I can't wait till we get to the Papa Spank issue. Uh, we're sure not going to talk about oh, that. Oh, you don't know? <laughs> Just to explain to our listeners, there's a very famous panel uh, of, of very early on Batman where there's a black-haired woman and Batman is literally slapping her across the face and he and he in his word balloon it says Papa Spank. Yeah, it's it was troubling. Li- it was literally published that way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can go if you Google Batman Papa Spank, it will show up. It sure was the 30s. Uh, <laughs> so here is what happened in the first issue that Batman ever appeared in Detective Comics number 27, The Case of the Chemical Syndicate. Dun, dun, um, dun, 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 dun. Which I think is a great, a great, great pulpy name. This story actually has been uh, readapted or mm-hmm. several, several times. Most recently, actually, by uh, Brad Meltzer and Brian Hitch in Detective Comics. 700, I believe. Yes, I think you're right. Yes, or 800. Was it Detective Comics 800 or 700? It was one of the anniversary issues. Yes. 
Very uh, recently. That's not a Golden Age story, so I don't know. Well, no, I just said it. I, said it. <laughs> I, I, I also used to own Detective Comics 600, and and it, it had every version of the this story. It, was it that title story? Uh, the Case of the Chemical Syndicate. It was The Case of the Chemical. Every version that had been done over the last 60 years, it had every one of them in there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's also funny because it has very little to do with the Chemical Syndicate, really. So Bruce Wayne um, is this rich like dude in his 30s, which means that he looks like he's in his 60s. And he's hanging out with his friend, Commissioner Gordon, who's this you know older guy in his 40s, which means he looks like he's in his 80s. Um, and they're yeah, hanging in the 30s, out, yeah. They're hanging out at Commissioner Gordon's house, and they're smoking pipes, and they're talking about how great they are. And then suddenly, Commissioner Gordon gets a phone call. And he's like, oh, golly gee, Bruce, I sure do have to go investigate a murder right now. You should probably go home. And Bruce Lane's like, well, I got nothing better to do. Why don't I come along? And Commissioner Gordon's like... He went on a ride-along. That's okay. He's like, why? But not only does he go on a ride-along, he goes to the crime scene and he touches stuff. Oh, okay. Um, He, like, tampers with evidence. Well, see, that's the only... That's that's how you set up your identity as a bumbling millionaire by, like, touching all the stuff. Because then later, when they meet Batman... They'll, they'll never think that Bruce Wayne is the world's greatest detective because he's literally putting his pinky into blood and licking it. Well, look, I know it's like the 30s and we don't know about forensics, but like, come on. Or DNA. Or DNA or or, or much of anything uh, or as, women's far as, crime scene, yeah, as far as crime scene investigation <laughs> is concerned. Um, and so you see Bruce Wayne while he's there. He gets these really big thought bubbles because it's, it's early comics. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a lot of, um, excuse me, a lot of deductive reasoning. And he's figuring out a lot of stuff about the crime scene that nobody else kind of seems very aware of. And this is the beginning of the season where they're planting like, oh, this is Batman. This is this alter ego. And while he's doing that and then he goes home after, you start to hear these rumors about a man dressed like a bat and he's causing terror in Gotham and nobody knows what's going on. And then you see a scene where Batman flies in through a window and he's got the cape and the really funny ears. And it's a very iconic scene that will be copied throughout the uh, throughout the Golden Age, sometimes by just copying the same panel mm-hmm. with different world balloons. In fact, I like the look of the Golden Age Batman, though. I do, too. Mm-hmm. I do, too. He looks a lot more like an actual bat Yes. Uh, than I would say than he does uh, later on, even into the Silver Age. Um, so Batman basically figures out that this murder happened because this person was involved in a chemical syndicate. He goes there. He breaks it up. He punches a bunch of guys. He throws some people out some windows. And then, like, three quarters of the way through, they reveal that, like, Bruce Wayne and Batman were the same person after all. And then uh, in the end of the story, Commissioner Gordon is basically like, well, Batman's not that much of a menace. I do think it's interesting from, because I've read that issue. Um, It is interesting that they try to do the thing where they try to convince you that Bruce Wayne and Batman for is not the same. Like, it's a big deal when Batman takes off his cow. I would say for at least the first half of this issue, if you don't know, you know, if you're reading this in 1939 and you don't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, I think they do a really solid job at hiding it. Um, Now, like I said... In the, I think it's the third scene when he's with Gordon at the crime scene, and you you can see him doing kind of the Sherlockian thing. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well he's clearly smarter than he's Some, putting sums on. Sums up with this guy. Sums up. Um, but I don't know if I would have made the logic leap the first time I saw Batman to be like, oh, they must be the same character. I think it's in a car, right? Like yes. he's in his, car, his Studebaker, as I'm going to just say, because every 1930s car to me is it's, a Studebaker. It's a roadster. <laughs> it's a roadster, and he takes off his cowl, and I think the caption box is like, "To be revealed as Bruce Wayne." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he drives away. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, he does not have the Batmobile for quite some time. In fact, cool. Um, and 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 this is a, kind of a neat thing because this is a blueprint for the story that you're going to see from Batman going forward. Mm-hmm. Batman fights. A foe. He does some deductive reasoning. He punches some people. Sometimes people die. Uh, somebody gets saved. He takes off the cowl, and we see a scene with Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically how you write a golden age uh, Batman story. 
And basically, the Batman, um, the way that you they reveal his identity is like Jason said, it's a lot of exposition. Yep. There's a lot of words on the page in these that, comics. That's uh, That actually is funny thing about it, because if you go back and read some of the Golden Age Superman, which I have been doing recently, mm-hmm. um, you compare it to Batman, Bob Kane or Bill Finger, I don't know which one it is, depending on who wrote the issue at the time, um, and Bill Finger wrote just as many as Bob Kane. They love the exposition caption boxes. Yes, they love surely them, love do. Them. More so than than uh, Siegel, Siegel and Schuster. Schuster. Yeah. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Siegel and Schuster are men of action. Well, they're an action comic, so, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so here's a really interesting quote that I found from Bill Finger about why they decided to name Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne. Okay, cool. Bruce Wayne's first name came from Robert Bruce, the Scottish patriot. Oh, Robert yeah. the Bruce. Robert the Bruce, uh, chief of the Knights Templar. So, kind of a man of secret society. Uh, Bruce, being a playboy, was a man of the gentry. I searched for a name that would suggest colonialism. I tried Adams, Hancock, and then I thought, Mad Anthony Wayne, and we had to take the last name. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Oh, okay. So they they wanted Bruce Wayne to sound rich and sophisticated and colonial and important. So he could have been Bruce Anthony. He could have been Bruce Anthony, yeah. Or he could have been uh, Bruce Adams or Bruce Hancock. I did not know that Bruce Wayne was named for Robert the Bruce. That's cool. It is really cool. I didn't know that either um, until I found it for this. Bill uh, Finger, by the way... Uh, there's a very excellent biography out about him. Uh, I can't remember. It's like Bill Finger, the man, the led or the legend that you don't know or something like that. Yeah. Um, and when you realize how much thought he put into some of these, and again, he's the hidden partner of, he finally just got his name into all the credits now, mm-hmm. like where it says co-created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, just because Bob Kane had a better lawyer and Bill Finger didn't. But it, it's like, it's stuff like that that makes you realize how much Bill Finger added to the mythos because. Well, Bill Finger invented the bat, the bat symbol that you see on Batman's yes, chest. Yes, and he named Robin because of Robin Hood. And he designed the look of the Joker. Yep. Um, so if you don't know a lot about Bill Finger, it's worth your time to go and, Hunt down uh, and that do biography. some research. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a great, it's a great thing. We might throw it in our recommended reading. Uh, Sure. So let's talk about some. We're going to talk about the first uh, six or so issues of Detective Comics, and then we're going to go on to the important highlights of the golden age of Batman. So the best things about Detective Comics 28 and 29, which are the two um, follow-up stories, is that Batman straight up murders people, notably by throwing them off the top of a building or... um, 
you know, shooting them. And they don't and they and they don't do any of the uh like Batman the animated series where you cut to and you see them fall in like an awning. No, you just see them go through the glass. Um the there it's a two-part story about a jewel thief. Okay. Um so I just think it's really funny that the jewel th- the jewel heist, excuse me, is a trope that you'll see a lot in the Batman mythos. We'll build an entire Catwoman character mm-hmm. around that in mm-hmm. uh, 1940 the very next year. Um so like in 1939 like the the height of being a criminal was like stealing diamonds and stuff. And Batman Batman really hates Interesting diamonds, right? Yeah, Batman really diamonds. hates to see uh, rich people suffer. So you'll notice that a lot of the victims of <laughs> of detective comics are like rich old ladies. And Batman is like, we'll defend their honor and we'll defend their family jewels by murdering their assailants, mm. uh, which is kind of my favorite thing about him. He's really, really violent. It's not until the Silver Age, um, and that's definitely going to be another lesson, where the idea that Batman doesn't use guns is introduced. Um, and that, of course, is a character tenet that lasts until this very day. It starts to get planted. Um, the gun thing? The gun thing, and we're going to talk about when it starts happening. Yeah. But he uses guns throughout the Golden Age. You know, you're, you're telling me about the defending the rich. It popped in that, that Christian Bale line popped in my head where he's, where he's like, um, he's like, I don't, he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And I think Golden Age Batman would be like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you if I throw you out the window. Exactly. I don't have to save you <laughs> From if, a physics, high rise building. if physics gets you first. <laughs> uh, Detective Comics 29 brings to the forefront the idea of Batman fighting against cults or satanic characters. And again, this is something that you can see highlighted and featured in many Batman stories, yep. including... The one that popped to my mind right away was Batman the Cult, which was uh, made popular in 1988 as a standalone series by Jim Starlin and, and I might be with ju- art by Bernie Wrightson. And I might be jumping ahead a little bit on your lesson, but I do remember there is uh, um, a story where he fights werewolves and he, I think he shoots them. Yes. Um, yes. That's something that happens in the Silver Age too, because as soon as Werewolf by Night becomes a thing, yeah. Um, and Batman, of course, there's a lot of parallels to be. We can talk about that right now. A lot of parallels to be drawn between him and and a vampire or a vampiric character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So vampires versus werewolves is a very classic mythology um, and and horror storytelling trope. So yeah. it's this comics, this is pulp. We got werewolves. Um, so yes, Batman will often fight werewolves, uh, but he always seems to have a silver bullet in the utility belt. Because you got you have to be prepared, Ashley. Yeah. um, Normally what happens in those stories is that Batman has like a young associate, kind of like Harvey Dent will become when you see the Mm -hmm. Two-Face character introduced later on. Uh, A young associate who's like a successful lawyer or a businessman. But Bruce is like, come out and party with me because I'm a playboy and you can be a playboy and we'll be cool playboys together. Um, And then the young associate's like, oh, I've I've got a headache and I can't. And then Bruce is like, gee, this always happens. And he never comes out and parties with me. And he'll follow them. He'll discover that they're a werewolf. He'll try to help them. They'll fight. He'll shoot him. And that will kill the lycanthropy instead of actually killing him. Um, so yeah, that's that's how Batman fights werewolves. It works. Um, the cult storylines for me are always very silly, even when they're done in the modern age. Uh, but both Bernie Wrightson and Bill Finger, um, they're worth spending the time with them because I think they're both kind of the best elements about these two respective stories. Like Bernie the Bur- Wrightson. Well, because the Bernie Wrightson did the art in Batman: The Cult. Okay, okay. The, the, the kind of I was the like, 80s I was like, version Bernie, of Bernie Wrightson didn't draw in the Golden Age. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but if you're go- if you want to read the Cult, like read it for the art. Okay. Because uh, the story is back to the purple gloves. Is a little is a little silly. Yes, back to the purple back gloves. Back to the purple gloves. Um, and the same issue, Detective Comics number twenty nine. It is a very classic cover, and it is. Um, it's kind of yellow in the background, and then you see Batman with his cape flared out behind him, swinging through a gothic uh, castle glass window. Okay, okay. Um, you've seen it reprinted in on 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 poster board. You've seen it on pillows. You've seen it on those weird metal sheets that they sell at the Hobby Lobby. 
Um, it's just a very classic cover. And this is also, number 29, is the first appearance of Batman's classic utility belt Ooh. in its yellow uh, glory. Batman had kind of a little belty trunk thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it had like circles on it and weird capsules and stuff, yeah. But this is the first time it is colored yellow, and this is the first time that it has all the pouches filled with the gadgets that we, have, we come to think of the utility belt. You know, the one that you can buy from the comic book store. Yeah, right? Yeah, and this issue also introduced the character of Dr. Death, a.k.a. Carl Helfern, Ooh. who's a scientist supervillain that features prominently in Batman stories throughout the Golden Age and into the Silver Age and then around the the mid-60s he kind of dies out and we never see him again. No, he's still around. Um, Graham, no, Graham Morrison has used them. But not in the same prominence. Sure, you know, sure, He sure. doesn't become part of the rogues gallery the no, way like no, no, no. Uh, Joker Joker and Catwoman are really your only yeah. two Golden Age rogues that carry on through Batman. Yeah. Graham, Graham Morrison loves Dr. Death. He's used them quite a bit. Right. All, all your weird people who, who like yeah. their callback stories yeah, like yeah. Dr. Death. But, but he's featured most prominently in these, these early stories. Gotcha. Uh, so here's an example of how your earliest Golden Age Batman spoke. Now, I don't do a Batman voice, so you got to imagine All right. It. So feed me the lion, then I'll do it back. Who sent you? May I ask? Your choice, gentlemen. Tell me, or I'll kill you. I don't know if I can remember this. Okay, who sent you? Okay. Who sent you? May I ask? Who sent you, may I ask? Tell me, gentlemen, or I will kill you. Close enough. Uh, so, but, but, but take that same line. Who sent you, gentlemen? May I ask? Tell me, or I'll kill you. But Which is better, come on. It, well, yeah, for sure. But the, the thing that I think is very funny about this very early Batman dialogue is he's definitely nose to the ground, I'm going to get my job done, Batman. But he's real He's real erudite and polite about it. He's, he's like, pol- gentlemen, please. He's a polite murderer. <laughs> <laughs> the politest murderiest superhero you can think of. There you go. Detective Comics number 30 brings Dr. Death back into the fight. And and initially, Batman wasn't just Batman, as you think of it, written on the page. It was Bat-Dash-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first big introduction of the Gotham City Police Department. You do see it in Detective Comics number 29, because that is the first time that we meet Jim Gordon. Um, but this is the first time that you actually get to see like more than three cops on a panel, and they all get names, and you start to build these characters. None of them carry through past maybe one or two issues. Like it's you're not meeting Bullock or anyone right here. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that you get to see um, the GCPD kind of take a role of prominence. It's also the beginning of the quote bumbling buffoon police department. Oh, kind of what they do in Batman Sixty Six. Yeah, yeah, that becomes a big part of the Silver Age. I mean, of course, when you're telling this kind of story, you're going to have them be less capable than Batman, but um. I would say that if you're a policeman, this might border on disrespect. Got it. Um, but, but it also makes for a very funny reading because mm-hmm. they're kind of falling all over the place. It's a little bit of a precursor for Alfred, I would say. Okay, cool. Your original Alfred. Uh, and the way that Batman gets involved in the drama of Detective Comics number 30 is that he's sitting at home reading his newspaper, smoking his pipe. Bruce Wayne smokes a lot. And he wears a lot of smoking jackets, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. The very sexy crush well, velvet It's very funny because that's what comic books thought rich people did in the 30s. Which is funny because I don't think anyone in the comics knew any rich people. No, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Especially right after the Depression? No. No, heck no. Yeah, yeah. So so he's reading this newspaper, and he comes across an article about the untimely demise of Mr. Jones. No! That's uh, a great song title. The, the untimely, untimely demise, demise of, of Mr. Mr. Jones. Jones. Copyright he kissed Mr. Lesson. Jones. He got thrown out a window by Batman. Uh, not quite, <laughs> oh. but a good guess. And Mr. Jones, of course, has left a rich widow Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Um, and I feel like this issue of these really early ones is the most reflective of the fact that it was published in 1939 because Mrs. Jones is being blackmailed by Dr. Death. Um, and if he is successful, she will lose her 
uh, she will lose the fortune that she managed to hold on to during the Great Depression. Okay. So they're not as rich as they used to be, but they're still pretty rich. And she wants to like hold on to the dregs of what she has. Is it because she converted all the diamonds? Uh, well, she is preparing to hand over her family jewels to get Doctor <laughs> Death to leave her alone oh, and let her family. keep her bank stocks. Do, do family keep? Do families keep jewels anymore? I don't think that happens. Not my family. Yeah, not mine either. <laughs> I mean, my mom has some pretty cool necklaces. Yeah, but like, but they're made of glass. But nothing that's like, oh, if you sell this, you can buy a house. You know? uh, <laughs> mom, if you do, please let me know. Uh, and Batman, of course, can't stand to see rich white women in trouble, so <laughs> he uh, he lies in wait outside her home okay. in, in, in the bushes, on the ground. In the bushes? In the bushes. Um, <laughs> and he fights Dr. Death's henchmen as they come to attack her, ultimately saving the day, uh, kind of null and voiding the blackmail, and then Mrs. Jones goes to the newspaper and talks about how wonderful Batman is. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. The untimely demise of Mr. Affected Jones. Affected by the untimely death of Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> we got something here. I'm telling you. Let us know, listeners. We got something. This is the golden age hit. The golden age of Geekcaster Lesson record. Got a very Simon and Garfunkel feel. It does, but that means we have to go on for like six minutes and just repeat the chorus over and over again. I'm fine with that. Because um, Scarborough it. Fair, they do the chorus like 60 times. Untimely demise of Mr. I'm writing it down right now. Do some Foley work. Yep. All right, we're good. All right, so Detective Comics number 31 is, of course, the next issue. It is also a very iconic cover. Um, it is the one where you see Batman, a bust of Batman from about your chest up, and he's looming down over the cover looking at a mountain and a mountain pass. Yes, uh, you've seen that. That is also uh, homaged by Frank Quitely yes. in Batman and Robin number two uh, with the Dick Grayson series. I knew you were going to know that one. Mm-hmm. I have a little mm-hmm. picture of it in my notes. Yep. Um, this is the first appearance of Golden Age Batman villain, The Monk, who's basically exactly what you imagine him to be. Okay. He's an evil monk. Is it like the Mad Monk from Doctor Who? Uh, No. Oh, okay. He's a little more religious than that. Oh, he's uh, more religious? <laughs> yeah. He thinks, he well, we thinks Batman, is, Batman is against God. Okay. Um, fun fact, uh, Detective Comics number 31 is the first appearance of Batarangs. Ooh. How do they look? They look like bats. Like actual bats. They look more like actual bats than the kind of iconic... Um, Bat, bat symbol. I'm trying to make it with my hands like yep. anyone listening can How crazy see it. would it have been if Batman actually threw, threw bats? Re- real bats. <laughs> he kept like bats in a pouch. Like, <laughs> well, he lives in the Midwest, so they'd be like those really tiny ones that eat the mosquitoes. So. <laughs> the guy's like, I, th- I thought he was going to throw a weapon at me, and then he'd throw an animal. All the bats are like, <laughs> Is that a bat sound? That's a pretty good bat sound. Yeah, thanks. I really like bats. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll know My bat sound was like... (laughs) 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 You sound like a Doctor Who alien. Uh, So 31 is the first appearance of Batarangs. It is also the first in-comics appearance of a bat vehicle, because up to this point, Batman has just been driving a black roadster. Okay. Jason, do you know what the first on-panel bat vehicle was? Ooh. Is, Is it a type of car? I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to have to Oh, you to can't guess. give me a hint? Like, like, it's not a specific... Like, it is a type of car. It's not a car. It's not a... I don't know. It is the bat plane. Oh, I did know this. <laughs> I did know this. Because yeah. it, it has the bat face in the front of it. Yeah, it's, it looks real stupid. And then the wings have the little the little uh, curves, just like his cape. Yes, they do. which the wings are the coolest part. The, fa- the bat face, I'm glad that they dropped that pretty quickly. I think it's really fascinating that the bat plane predates the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, and then I don't know when the bat speedboat shows up, but it's not in this issue. We'll get to it soon. Don't worry. Yes. And this is one of the first issues not set in Gotham City. The action of this issue takes place in New York City, and it opens with Batman saving a man from being murdered by a woman. And it is a big deal in this issue. Batman saves two men from being um, murdered by their scrappy ladies. Does he throw the ladies out the window? Uh, no, he kind of just punches them and ties them up. Oh. But he does straight up punch some ladies in the face. This might be the Papa's Pank issue. Uh, in detec- I, think it, <laughs> I think it is in uh, Detective Comics uh, 31. But I would al- I also think that for Batman, is not a book that deals a lot with social issues. We're no. uh, usually saving the rich people. But it's a pretty progressive paradigm reversal for 1939. I'm pretty impressed that they were like, you know what would be interesting? If the ladies punch someone for a change. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won't win because they're ladies and we still got to well, keep them it's, down. It's, but. Also, it's also because their they're, they're highest paying customers right now that are buying these dime books of Detective Comics are, uh, you know, 10 year old boys. And the 10 year old boys <laughs> think that girls are scary. So then they're like, oh man. Oh, yeah, you punch that girl in the face, Batman. <laughs> I just think it's super funny because I'm um, Right now, we're currently pre-Batman and Superman crossing over. Yeah. Uh, and we will definitely we will definitely get to that. But I think that, um, you know, I think Batman would have a tough time with Lois Lane because Lois Lane is a pretty tough lady, you know? I think he'd slap her across the face and say, Papa Spank. Yeah, especially, but then she'd punch him right back. Especially Golden Age Lois Lane. Oh, yeah? Golden Age Lois Lane is quite different from the Lois Lane that we know of. Interesting. So. Interesting. Uh, moving on to Detective Comics 32. This is the second half of the uh, the Monk story. It's just more nonsense in New York. It's really not that important. Cool. Detective Comics number 33 is a significant issue because this is the first issue that tells you Bruce Wayne's origin and yep. the birth of Batman. It introduces the tragic backstory, the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And baby Bruce is on panel saying this. By the spirits of my parents, I will avenge their deaths by spending the rest of my life warring on all criminals. It's 10-year-old Bruce Wayne making this declaration. Where is he making that declaration? In front uh, of a candle? Yes. Okay, I've seen that. I've seen that uh, image in the dots for tears and stuff like that. Yeah, you've seen it, and you've seen it homaged the, ad nausea. Here's what I, I find fascinating, because Bruce's oath... To his dead parents is kind of an important part of his origin. It's a huge uh, part of the mythos. Batman Mask of the Phantasm does an amazing scene with it. Uh, Batman Year One, where he's like, mm-hmm. "Father, help me! Tell, yes, I will become a bat." Um, it's interesting that it was introduced this early. 1939, man. We're, we're less than five issues into Batman. Also interesting, and the reason why we keep making Golden Age uh, references is that uh, the Golden Age Superman is our next lesson, just throwing you out there, or as it will be our very next episode. Um, so I'm in the middle of doing all the Superman research, and it's interesting that Thomas and Martha are Thomas and Martha from the beginning. Yes, they are. Because that's not the case with Superman's parents. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah Thomas and Martha have and always shall be Thomas and Martha. It's interesting. So so, so Bill Finger and Bob Kane locked into this origin and, and nobody changed it. Well, they're the Shatners, right? They're like, first choice, best choice. I guess. Yep. <laughs> um, and the fascinating thing about Batman as a character is that by 1949 in the second, I'm sorry, 1940, in his second year of publication, um, you know, as this dark and pulpy character in comparison to Superman, he is so popular that Detective Comics DC publishers at the time greenlit the first ever Batman solo series. Mm-hmm. It's probably because they had the same success with the Superman solo series. Yes. Um, and Which at the time, again, unheard of. Utterly. Yes. Utterly. Like, like he's less than a year into his publication. He already has two books that he's leading because 
from D- Detective 27 on, Batman's on all the covers. Yep. And he is the prominent story in all of Detective Comics going forward. There are little backup stories, um, you know, two pages, three pages, up to, I think, mm-hmm. I think about 11 pages. But Batman is the star of those. And Batman has never been canceled. He's been rebooted. He's been renumbered. But there's always but he's been. he's been continuously published. There's always been a Batman book yep. since 1939. Which is Over impressive. Years. And not many characters can say that. In fact, almost none. Well. Well, uh, I think Superman can say that. Superman can say that. Uh, I think um, I think Spider-Man can say that since 1964 or three. Whenever yeah, but that's not 75 years. Uh, the Fantastic Four can't say that. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is that in Batman number one, which was published in 1940, this is the first appearance of the Joker and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And these are, like I said before, basically the only two Golden Age villains. That's the issue that I read from my crappy friend Dennis. Well, thank you, crappy friend Dennis. Yeah. Uh, but these are the only two Golden Age villains that really kind of grow to be a threat. And they're two hugely significant parts of the Batman mythology to this very day. Well, especially since Catwoman in that tale is not Catwoman. She's the cat. Yes. And she's wearing a, she just a wears really a dress. weird dress. She just wears a dress. She doesn't even have a costume. Now, can I ask you a question? This could screw up something in your lesson. So if it does, I apologize, Professor hmm. uh, or Minister hmm. Ashley in the Church of Batman. Hmm. I remember Robin being in Batman number one. Well, we're going to talk about Robin right now. Good. All right. Cool. Uh, that's Perfect. literally my next note. <laughs> Perfect segue. Because I was like, I think Robin's in that tale. Yeah. So fun fact. Uh, Robin, Dick Grayson. Um, okay. Dick Grayson is first introduced in Detective Comics number 38, which was published in 1940. Mm-hmm. The next month, Dick Grayson slash Robin first appear in the ba- in Batman number one. It's interesting. Less than a year later, they give him a sidekick. They give him a sidekick. So, again, less than a year later, the dynamic duo is already in place. The holy grail of the Bat family already exists. So there's only been... It's interesting. So there's only been one year in Batman's entire history where he did not have a Robin. Yeah. One year. That's crazy. And that's a good argument to keep in your back pocket about for Batman any any time you go to a party and someone tells you that Robin is stupid yep. because I have that argument a lot. I, I do too because I, I agree with you and I've said, I think we've both said, I've said several times in this podcast and I believe you have too, to me it's Batman and Robin, not Batman. Yes, I agree. I, 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 I never see a Batman without a Robin. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you something and if you don't know it's okay, I'm just using this as an interesting segue. Sure. Do you know was it Bob Kane or Bill Finger who first came up with the idea of introducing a Robin? I don't think it was either of them, but I'm going to go Bill Finger. It was Bill Finger. Mm. Um, I don't know if Editorial had a hand in it. I think it was Editorial, but I don't know. I think Editorial came along and was like, we need some the, some kids around here. Yes. Um, but Bill Finger um, wanted to introduce Robin as a younger and kind of a sillier analog to Batman because he thought that, quote, Batman needed a Watson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Oh, it's great. And I. I love this so much because that's I, awesome. I love Batman and Robin. I love Sherlock and Watson. But I love that even in the very beginning, the very seeds of what would become this this really classic team, they're drawing from Sherlock and Watson. So, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I love that so well, much. It's it also so awesome, happy. too, because Batman, his creation is kind of a combination analog of all these other he, I mean he's part the shadow Definitely. he's part Sherlock Holmes he's he's part like all these characters pushed together mm-hmm. I think it also tells you how seriously um, Bill Finger was thinking about these characters even though they were like for lack of a better phrase they were only pulp heroes they were only comic book Bill characters Bill Finger's a smart dude he was a really smart dude and he thought put a lot of thought into some of these things and I think that thought um, is the reason why I think all that thought has paid off, and that's the reason why now Batman's the most popular comic book character of all time. I don't care. Like you can like Spider Man, you can like Marvel, you can yeah. like Superman. I love Superman. Batman is the most popular comic book character of all time. Well, there's a joke that we make on Major Spoilers podcast all the time that everything's better with Batman, and yeah. these are some of the reasons why. Because yeah. this early on, there was this much care given. Yeah. To Whereas I think, this I think I think with some of the Superman stuff, I think they accidentally lucked into it. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. they they kept trying stuff, and I, but this, from what you're telling me, a lot of this seems like. Uh, well, very well planned for a Golden Age book. For yeah, for a Golden Age, yeah, a little less slapdash than what you th- traditionally think of these really early characters being. Yeah, uh, the introduction of Robin also times up really nicely with when we got the introduction of Batman stopping using a gun in every issue. So up to this point in his first year of publication, Batman basically has a gun. He has a holster. Uh, yes, under he does. Yeah, 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 sure. He there's sure a very famous. Do. There's a cover. There's a very famous cover where he's holding the gun. Yeah. Um. But when they introduce Dick Grayson, he's really, really young, um, and they're trying to bring these legacy characters in so they can appeal more. Because, like, like you mentioned earlier, most of the readers are like ten years. And yeah, younger. yeah. And I, I remember there is a quote by one of the the editors from back in the time where they said that the, the, the like a big reason why they wanted to go for Robin is because they felt that the readers, the the ten year olds, could not see themselves as Batman. Yes. But they introduced Robin, and immediately they were like, "Oh, I can see myself as Robin," because. People might be surprised by this. And again, Batman's got Robin's got a lot of flack over the years, which I think is totally unfounded. Utterly. There was a time that Robin was more popular than Batman. Oh, yeah. Because the kids wanted to be Robin. That's right. Um, and so because of the way that these um, that these comics were being published, there were a couple different editors working on every book because they didn't. It wasn't like now like you didn't have your Batman editor. Everyone was kind of doing everything all the yes. time. Uh-huh. Um, and there was a woman who edited Batman a lot whose Ooh. name was Whitney Ellsworth. And she's the one who decreed that Batman would never kill using a gun. Good going, Whitney. So in the Golden Age, um, Batman did still use a gun, but after the introduction of Robin, he never killed anyone 
with a gun. Okay, but he still killed people by throwing them out windows. And he still maimed them with guns, but you Ooh. never saw someone die. He still pistol whip people. Uh, yeah, following uh, <laughs> following Dick Grayson's introduction with a gun. And I think, again, Batman doesn't get a lot of moments of social justice, but this is a very progressive mm-hmm. and still very topical um, choice to make for a character who is bred out of darkness and violence. Yeah. I, I like it. That's totally cool. Uh, so DC Comics, Detective Comics at the time, was the most successful publisher of comics in the industry with Batman and Superman leading the way less than two years after creating Superman and less than a year after creating Batman. So they were like, you know what we should do with these characters? We should tame them up. We should tame them up. So at the end of 1949, you get world's finest. World's finest. Number one. Number one. Which, of course, is the first team up between Batman and Superman. Uh, Dick Sprang is an artist who drew a lot of the Golden Age world's finest stuff, which is one of the reasons why I think it remains so iconic and so beautiful to Dick this day. Dick Sprang is a very, very classic Batman artist. Um, you don't even realize it, everyone out there, but you have seen a Dick Sprang image and you don't realize that it's him because he's very classically there's a classic image of Batman and Robin sort of hunched down on the top of a rooftop getting ready to jump yeah that's a dick spraying image Jim Lee's homage to they've times. made a, they've made statues out of it they made Batman black and white statues and they made the Robin and the Batman and I would love those are awesome I think they're so good they're yeah. like Batman and Robin, man. <laughs> He's also in the Batman black and white statue. He's the smiley Batman with his hands on his hips. That's yep. the Dick Sprang Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even if you don't want to read Golden Age stuff, which shame on you, you should, uh, go go Google image search Dick Sprang. He's a special, special artist. Yep. So over the course of the 1950s, we're going to get a little more general right now. Following the end of World War II, popularity and interest in comic books as a medium uh, waned because people had more money to spend on other stuff. Yep. But Batman remained incredibly popular, and the sales of both Batman and Detective Comics were Remained almost exactly the same. There was no dramatic really? shift in their purchase numbers. Even after the war. Yeah. I think wow. there was a drop, but not significantly enough that they really decided to change anything yeah, in yeah, reaction yeah. to because it. Because superheroes went out of went out of popularity after World War II. They did, but everything's better with Batman. Everything's better with Batman, okay. And then in June of 1952, as the uh has the publication of Superman number 76. Um, and that's time the fir- that's the first time that Batman and Superman um ever discover each other's secret identities. Oh, that's classic. Um, and we, we talked about that. In it's the, a, in the Batman v Superman stories that we did last week. Yeah. Yep. It's a very, it's a very silly, very special issue. If you ever want to see Batman and Superman fight over covers, oh, you're in for a treat. Fight, fight, fight. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Um, and the team up led uh, to the inception of World's Finest. And World's Finest, uh, fun fact, was published straight through into 1986 before it was canceled. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's how, that's how popular World's Finest was. Well, I mean, it, it, it was the team-up book. Team-up books are, you know, I'll, I'll say this. You're not tied to continuity. You're not tied to continuity. You get the best of both worlds. And I've heard from so many people at the time that, uh, um, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have you don't have as much uh, money to spend as when you're a grown up. So would you rather just buy the Superman title that just about Superman or Batman title that's just about Batman when you can buy World's Finest that has both of them. You get more bang for your buck. Yeah. I actually wish team up titles would come back. I I, I miss them. I do too, but I think um with both DC and Marvel because they are so mired in their own continuity and and the culture of event comics that we have right now, mm-hmm. I think that they don't want to really touch they don't want to do anything that's not in continuity that's not kind of serving the greater good which sucks because we probably I'll be surprised if we ever get a world's finest book again because like there's that Superman Batman team up book that was started by Jeff Loeb that ran for like a hundred issues by the way 
great. It's there, there, <laughs> there are some really bad arcs here and there, but mostly solid. And the new Batman Superman that they published in the New 52, mm-hmm. mostly solid. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they do take the world's finest title back and it becomes um, a part of the Earth 2 storyline. Yeah, they give a, a world's finest in the New 52 to Huntress and Power Girl. Yes, uh, as analogs for Batman and Superman, which well, is really the is daughter really cool. of Superman and the daughter of Batman. Yeah. Um, but let's let's hop back to 1954 because 19, Oh, I guess. 1954 is a... Uh, it's kind of a big deal for uh, for Batman and Ro- Batman is Batman in the Golden Age. Is that when the untimely demise of Mister Jones was at the height of its popularity? Uh, I'm going to say yes, uh, as <laughs> driven by Jones. by a little man named Frederick Wortham because he published a criticism of the comic book industry that shone a spotlight on Batman comics. Uh, called The Seduction of the Innocent. I know about this, but uh, seriously, let's go find this Frederick guy and beat him up. Uh, if I could, I totally would, because <laughs> this guy was a dick. <laughs> so following the sales of the original Batman titles and Detective Comics, uh, dropping, they dropped off after this, um, and criticisms included that children would mimic the violent actions that they saw in comics, which has basically just grown up into the argument that children will mimic violent video games and movies, yep. um, and extreme homosexual overtones, and that the... And, and the accusation that Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are pedophilic lovers. Okay, I know where this is going. And uh, this, of course, leads to the establishment of the Comics Code Authority uh, yeah. at the end of 1954. The Comics Code Authority is basically a set of guidelines um, in order to protect the innocent. There's a little uh, thing that was published that used to be in front of all the comic books um, that basically they had to send their comic book scripts to get approved by the Comics Code Authority to basically make sure there's not drugs or anything like that. Until actually, it was funny, uh, now it's not on any comic cover. Yeah. Uh, because Marvel in the early 2000s just stopped sending their scripts over there and said, screw it. Yeah, it basically, the Comics Code Authority held a lot of sway until basically like publishers and creators got together and collectively decided to ignore it. Yeah, they just basically ignored it because there was no law that they actually had to. Um, it just completely, it completely hampered them. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, if you want to keep us from getting completely hampered by the Comics Code Authority. What? They're still around and they have guns? Uh, they're a very secretive society oh now. God. They're the ones in the bushes outside. They're throwing people out the windows. Guys, I can see them. So if you want to prevent Professor Jason and Professor Ashley from getting thrown out the windows, you need to head on over to patreon.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N, and help us with our protection here. I can see one of them has a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> That's so terrifying. It is. The mustaches are terrifying. Yes. And for $5, you get even more ridiculous conspiratorial rambling on the Ooh. Geek History Lesson Extra podcast, where today we are talking more about the golden age of Batman. That's where we really give it to the man. No, 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 no. Oh, wait. That's the Silver Age. So head on over to patreon.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N, and help keep us alive inside the windows and away from the authority. And thank you to all of you that support us currently. You all rock. You are and the Church of Batman gives you one of our most greatest prayers. Na 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 Batman. There you go. <laughs> I think that's a Simpsons joke. Oh, is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, because they're trying to convince Homer to join the cult. So they go, na 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 leader. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and. So following the seduction of the innocent, the Batman creative team, the various people in editorial, they were like, we kind of need to shake up our image. And this is when you get Batwoman and Batgirl introduced. If you want a little bit more on that, we did do a Batgirl uh, lesson that you can go and listen uh-huh. to. Um, and this is commonly considered for Batman to be the end of his golden age and the introduction into the silver age. Um, because and- he has quite a romance with Batwoman. He does. And then they make her a nice lesbian a lot later. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, I, and I might be remembering, I, doesn't he... 
Does he marry her? He almost marries her. I don't. I think they get engaged. I don't okay, think they yeah, get married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you would like a geek history lesson on Batwoman, on Kathy uh, Kane, hit us up because I would love to do that. It's crazy, man. That's a research, and I know Robin gets really jealous, and, and like there's some there's some weird it's, stuff. It's weird because that's that's kind of my favorite thing about about this era of Batman, the, the end of the Golden Age, the beginning of the Silver Age, is they're kind of scrambling, trying to give themselves a little bit of a facelift, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of they take some weird missteps along the way. Well, they just are like they 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 keep that Batman sexiness and they just like make it completely hetero. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 totally. Um, and by the end of the 1950s into the beginning of the 1960s, Batman stories take a big evolution in the kind of storytelling that they're addressing. They start to get a little more goofy and they're a little less kind of about your gumshoe detective man on the street. And they begin exploring the realms of science fiction tropes yep. a little bit more like because they were DC comics because they were just they were growing in popularity yep. at the time. We're right about to have Marvel make its big step up, which is a bit, which is all based in science fiction. And Batman's more uh, sci fi adventures were all facilitated by his associated with Superman, your uh, sexy on-panel alien. Yeah. And a fun fact, Ace the Bat-Hound was introduced toward the end of the Golden Age in Batman number 92, published in 1955. And he has remained a part of the Batman canon up to the modern age, along with characters like Bat-Mite. Well, he's still, uh, Ace is still, here's the thing about that. Ace is still around Mm -hmm. because Ace is the dog in Batman Beyond. Yes. And he's Bruce Wayne's old dog. And also, there is a dog. uh, Is it a Great Dane? Yes, he's a Great Dane. Um, There is... Damien in the comics right now has a Great Dane. He's not called Ace, but he's called Titus. Titus. But he's basically Ace. Yeah, and and I was actually just going to bring up Titus because, again, even though like Ace is kind of one of those characters who, as a dog, you're like, okay, so you can maybe live to be like 12, but he's sort of always around. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that He's led enough of a legacy from having been around since the Golden Age that you do you have a character like Titus. You have uh, characters like like there's a lot of super pets. Yeah. Um, And Ace is one of the first. So I I like that. So to end off this lesson on the Golden Age of Batman, I want everyone to know that uh, Batman was kind of a part of a bunch of the one off JSA adventures in the Golden Age, which all wound up being on Earth 2, which is why we didn't focus on them that much. Um, But he joins the Justice League at the very end of the Golden Age in The Brave and the Bold, number 28, in February of 1960, where he's pretty much remained a team member since. Yep. He does have little spats where he leaves, but he's, he's pretty much always been. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, a key member of the Justice League, and uh, he's always been a founding member of it. Yes, yeah. And uh, that's your that's your Golden Age Batman. Yay! Yay! Uh, so why don't we move on to recommended reading? Great. Uh, this is where we read stuff and recommend it to you. If you want to pick up any of these on the Golden Age Batman, you can head on over to geekhistorylesson.com slash recommended reading or just go to the website and click on that shiny little button that we had installed for you. We have a bunch of pictures of everything that we recommend there. You can click on it. It'll take you over to Amazon. You can buy it. There's a little bit back our way so that we can build some batterings of our own. It'll keep the Comics Code Authority away. God, I mean, the the bribery and racketeering. It's just, it's It's unreasonable. Too much, too much. So, um, I'll go first. And I'm going to make three recommendations to you. Okay. The first one that I'm going to recommend is Batman Golden Age Omnibus Volume 1. Uh-huh. It is, it is very big. It is a little more on the expensive side. It's a beautiful hardcover volume. This collects all of the detective comics and all of the Batman issues up into about 1950. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so from 39 to 50, uh, they're they're actually like really beautifully restored and rendered. The coloring is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave it a new like, cover by Darwin Cook. Yes. Uh, this is a good one to have. You can also get Batman Golden Age Omnibus Volume 2, which closes out into, I think it goes to 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you mean 1949? Yep. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, they didn't use the same scale that I did. Uh, I would say that if you if you're really looking to delve into this and you really want to spend some time, these omnibi are worth buying. It's worth having all of them because the detective comic stories and the Batman stories, while they're not tied in because there wasn't such a thing as continuity, um, if you can read them in the order that they were published, you get I think a better idea of how the character developed. Because that's mm-hmm. what I had to do. I had to jump over to the Batman title at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And then I would also say that you should pick up the world's finest Golden Age omnibus. It's uh, it's from the same collection. This is all of the original. They all have the same cover design. They they do. This is the, all of the original uh, Batman and Superman team-up stories. Yep. And my recommendation is uh, Bill the Boy Wonder, the secret co-creator of Batman. It is a graphic novel biography by Mark Tyler Nobleman. And since Bill Finger is such a big part of Batman, I think that's worth a read as well. Yeah, definitely. All right, time for the teaching tweet. Yeah. Can you tell us what the teaching tweet is? The teaching tweet is where our professor or, or minister of the Church of Batman, That's as right. in the case of this, will teach us in 140 characters or less, just like Twitter, what she thinks of the Golden Age Batman. Golden Age Batman, colon. Murder is boring. Shoot everyone. Adopt orphans. Be a bat. Hashtag Team Batman. It's very uh, beatneck poet. <laughs> well, we're in the 50s now, so that's what all the cool kids do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my Golden Age Batman. Yay! Guys, I felt like the Golden Age gave me a golden glow. So thank you all for listening. <laughs> I'm Jason throwing real bats at, the, at you through my utility belt in them. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. And Professor Ashley, will you please close this session of the Church of Batman out? Class is dismissed. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm Jason Pixie Boots Inman. Welcome to your Mind University because this is Geek History Lesson. We like to call ourselves the Mind University because we like to take one character, one concept, or one construct and tell you everything you need to know about them. In a little bit less than an hour, sometimes more than an hour. This one probably might be more than an hour. We don't know. Buckle in every buckaroos. Let's find out. Uh, Today's subject is a long running character, a character that some of you might know about. I don't know. He's he's pretty obscure. Uh, I know he hasn't had a lot of movies made about Mm -hmm. him. Um, Certainly no TV shows. You know, people don't talk about this character enough, I think. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it would behoove, you know, I think DC should publish a few more books starring this character. We're talking about Batman, of course. Or filter their entire marketing strategy around this character. (laughs) I mean, I mean, no shade. No, and fun fact, Jason and I are recording this on Batman Day. Fun fact. uh, Um, (laughs) No shade to DC Comics, but like, <laughs> no. you, you might as well just rename your company Batman Comics. That's what you are. It is called. I mean, DC does stand for Detective Comics, so and, it's they're really not lying. And I say this as a person who loves DC Comics yes, yeah. and reads lots former of DC Comics. Former employee of DC Comics, former, former in employees, fact. Yeah, but, but like, come on, you're Batman Comics. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so in... This is uh, um, the third installment. Second. The second, excuse me. Um, <laughs> so there were certain characters, when Ashley and I have done certain geek history lessons, certain characters, um, Superman has become this way, Wonder Woman has become this way, um, where we're like, they just have 
80 years of history, it's going to be too difficult mm-hmm. to explain this character in an hour. So we decided to break these characters up into their respective ages. Now, Ashley, do we want to explain the different ages now or do we want to hold on to that? Uh, we can hold on to that for a little bit. OK, but this is Batman the Silver Age. We also have a Batman the Golden Age episode, which you can go look up, which is also excellent and also taught by Ashley as yeah. well. Um, go Google it. I don't know the episode. number. 107. Oh, Ashley knows a that. long time ago. See, this is why she's teaching it. Oh, yeah. wow. It has been a long time. Yep. Um, and these lessons also take a lot of research, take a lot of time. So I don't know, very excited about uh, that diving into Batman, the silver age. Yeah. Actually, was this requested by anybody? Do we have requests? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, By the way, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. If you want to request a specific geek history lesson, there are two places you can do that. You can do that on our Facebook at geek, facebook.com slash geek history lesson. Give us a comment, send us a message, or you can go to our Twitter at GHL podcast and just tag us there. Be like, hey, GHL podcast, I want blank. Those are the only two places that we will actually write down requests from. And our Patreon. I've been getting a lot of DMs on Instagram lately. Please don't do that because I don't check that folder very often. Well, we just we we tell you. We, I mean, we have 383 episodes. We literally t- have never changed how you send us things. I know. Things. Well, it's so <laughs> wonderful that people are enthusiastic, yep, yep. but the way we aggregate requests is very specific. It's so. very specific. It's the only two places that we yeah. gather requests. So um, don't send a carrier pigeon. Send a carrier bat. Or though. a joker fish. Please yep. don't, in fact. Don't send a joker fish? Uh, fun fact, I, I reread that issue in prep for this episode. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Fun. You going to give us our thoughts about that? Later on? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Ashley, is it time to move into the Tencent Origin? It is. What is that, Jason? The Tencent Origin is where Ashley is going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the character in case you're at a fancy Wayne Manor cocktail party and you're dancing the Batusi and a little yeah. Julie Numa walks up to you and goes, Parr, kitten, tell me about the Batman. Can you name the other two, Catwoman? Uh, Eartha Kit. And starts with an L. Lee Merriweather. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the actual one I've met. Yes. <laughs> okay, so your 10 cent origin on Batman is that he is a DC Comics character whose first appearance was in Detective Comics number 27, published in May of 1939. Fun fact, not the Silver Age. No, that's the Golden yeah, yeah, Age. Which we'll explain. Uh, it was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, whose aliases also include Mattress Malone, Lefty Knox, and Minuteman. His team affiliations have included the Bat Family, Justice League, Outsiders, Batman of All Nations, and Batman Incorporated. And his abilities include having a genius-level intellect, peak human physical and mental conditioning, whatever that means, master martial artist and hand-to-hand combatant, world's greatest detective, and high tech tech equipment and weaponry. And he's rich. Yeah, he's a rich white guy. That's yeah. really his yep. superpower Great. is patriarchal and ethnic privilege. He has a hell of a portfolio. <laughs> if you would like to hear uh, some more stories about Batman 66 adjacent moments in our lives, I would encourage you to head on over to patreon.com slash Jawin. By the way, that's J-A-W-I-I-N. We do a whole bunch of extra podcasts over there. Jason, how many extra podcasts do we do? Uh, Well, we do. Officially versus actually. (laughs) Well, officially we do. uh, There's no difference there. But yes, sometimes we skip some weeks. It's fine. Uh, We do four Geek History Lesson Extras. Mm -hmm. 
every month. Yeah. Which is connected this month uh, or this week. You can find Geek Astros and Extra will be. Ashley and I are going to tell our stories about Ashley and I both met Burt Ward, mm-hmm. the Silver Age Robin. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell about our stories about Batman 66 and meeting Bat- Burt Ward. So that's going to be a fascinating story. Um, we also release monthly a podcast called Jason and Ashley's Excellent Adventures, mm-hmm. which is about our personal lives. And uh, at the Justice League pod tier, uh, co-host and uh, last week's Geek History Lesson guest, yeah. Jeremy Skinner. And I co-host a podcast where we're reviewing every single episode of Just League, the animated series. It's called Jason and Jeremy John about Just League. And we release two episodes, sometimes three episodes of that a month, just depending on how feisty we feel. Yeah, you say two, but it's usually more like three or four. We've with done the fun four. little bonus eclipse. We've done four. Lately. We've done weekly episodes. Yeah. Of like technically I am doing like two weekly podcasts, I would say. So if you of, do the math on that, that can be up to 12 extra episodes a month. Well, I will. <laughs> if you want to just do a time if you mm-hmm. want to do time, if you support all those levels, you go to patreon.com. And I didn't mean for us to get it, but like, go check out our Patreon, everybody. Um, we're really proud of those podcasts over there. So I mean, it's our bad cave. Yes. Um, if you do the, the math, actually, it's almost like an hour of GHL extra every month. Mm-hmm. Another 45 minutes. So it's an hour, and 45 minutes. And then Justice League pods are both an hour. So that's almost almost five hours of extra content. Yeah. Every single month. So you're getting twice as many GHLs, basically. Almost a double in your bank. So patreon.com yeah. slash John, go check it out. And thank you so much to all the super friends that support us over there. They are the whole reason this podcast exists and this podcast is still going. And the reason why we're going to jump into the Silver Age. So let's get to that meet cute, Ashley. Yeah, what's your Batman meet cute? This is weird. Do we do one of these for Silver Age? Yeah. Well, or yes. Golden Age? Yes, we do. It feels weird. Yeah. And you say that every time. And for Batman. We should only do it once. And I listened to the Golden Age. Well, it's because there has been 200 plus episodes, almost 300 episodes since the last time we I did I honestly this. can't tell you. What did I say? Right. We were both like, I don't know. Yeah. Batman's a bastion of pop culture. Maybe the 66 reruns. I had the toys. We didn't really know. We didn't actually have a great story for that. So it's not a big deal. Okay. Want to roll into the next part? Well, how about this? How mm-hmm. about we tell this very brief story? And then we're, we'll give a little brief tease to our GHL Extra, sure. Ashley. Do you remember, where Where did you first see Batman 66? Like, what was it, what what station showed it? Like, when was it on? Like, do I don't remember? know the answer to that. Um, It was definitely before I started kindergarten. So I, oh, wow. three or four. Really early. They used to play batman 66 reruns mm-hmm. i i couldn't tell you the network to save my life okay because uh, i was an actual child but i remember thinking that burt ward was cute okay. i have always liked robin so right. uh and i remember an episode where batman and robin were tied to a conveyor belt and i think they were in maybe a meat packing plant or something like that that's like half the series right and being very scared about what was going to happen to them so i saw the movie first the batman 66 movie ah. before i saw the tv show so because the vhs tape at the local library so at the local library mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow yeah. shout out to whoever curated that choice yep yeah good choice all right so what's next the main lesson that's where ashley's gonna tell you everything this is the whole reason why you're here guys like secretly the the main episode discussion is why you're here so professor ashley's gonna tell us about the silver age finally let's go so let's buckle up in our engines to speed <laughs> turbos to full <laughs> nuclear power right whatever they said I don't know. In our last episode on Batman, Batman the Golden Age, uh, like I mentioned, that's episode 107. Previously on Geek Extra Lesson. Yes. The Golden Age is basically anything arguably from 1900 um, up until Flash of Two Worlds. Uh, but Flash's for, first appearance. Uh, sorry, Flash's first Yes, the first appearance of Barry Allen. Yes. Uh, showcase number four, October of 1956. Sorry, Flash of Two Worlds is 
uh-huh. later. Um, and for Batman, that means from 1939, because that is when he made his debut. Mm-hmm. So until 51, did you say? I'm sorry. Or 61. 1956 56 is, okay. is yep. the introduction yep. of Barry mm-hmm. Allen okay. showcase number four. Um, so the silver age is the next era, mm-hmm. right? After the gold comes silver. It doesn't get murky until the modern age. Um, so it is considered to be from approximately 1956 to 1970. Mm-hmm. However, for Batman specifically, who we are talking about today, many people, many comic historians, um, extend that all the way up to 1979. Oh, interesting. And you will have to listen to this entire episode to figure out why. Because I am going to go up until 1979. Okay, okay. Because I know when we did Superman, we stopped at 70. Because, yes, because you wrote the Superman. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we've also done Superman the Bronze Age, which covered the 70s. Wonder Woman, Silver Age, I believe we stopped in 72 or 73. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, the ages are just general. Yes. Um, and there's no and they are character dates. specific yeah. and your mileage yeah. may vary on it. I wrote this episode, so I made this choice. Ashley, can I ask you a real quick question before we can. jump in the lesson? Um, so and we're going to learn this in the lesson today's mm-hmm. episode. Does Batman not experience a Bronze Age, basically? Um, Will we go right to the modern age with Batman? So it depends. OK, is and, and we can um, talk. We can get into this more. We're, as you get into Yeah, the, we're not going to like super get into that. Okay. Um, but the, the, the statement on that is it depends because most people consider I'll just say it right now. Most people consider Batman's Bronze Age to be the dark 80s. Oh, so only 80 to 90. Interesting. And then we get into, quote, the dark ages or the contemporary the age or the modern age. Yeah, However, yeah. whatever we're going to mm-hmm. choose to name that. Whenever we get to that section, which will probably be in Superman. I think first. we've already talked about that Superman and Superman. We've yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Batman is is a little bit different because Batman does have such a stark tonal shift in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Superman and Wonder Woman don't have as obvious a tone shift. So mm-hmm. we're going we're going all the way up to um the armor your head Batman, basically. The what? Armor I gotta armor my head, Batman. Uh that's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's more we're not going to 85, but that that's sort of 85. era, right? Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the 80s. So this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you disagree with me, I don't care. That's fine. 
Your make, opinions are your own. Make your own history lesson. <laughs> exactly. Make your own continuity. That's right. So many people will think of the Silver Age Batman as being goofy one-off adventures with covers that are iconic but foolish. This is not wholly untrue, but it's also not true. So the Silver Age is the first major evolution for Batman. The stories are much more episodic, one-off monsters of the week. Think classic Doctor Who. Uh, then continuity based like they are today. But the Silver Age also introduces the idea to quote Grant Morrison of Bat God for the first time. So an example of the silliness that do you, I've. Do you want to explain that so, concept? P- hold the hold. OK, on. sorry. 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 Hold, it's literally my next point. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so an example of the silliness is like the Rainbow Batman cover and storyline from Detective Comics, uh, volume one, number 241 from 1957. It's actually really fun. Um, the reference is frequently made in the contemporary age of comics. Actually, Superman brings it up in continuity several times. Um, so. My next note says, Jason, can you explain the concept of Bat God? <laughs> um, so Bat God is essentially this concept that is was was kind of popularized by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. But um, it's the idea that it all cruxes from The Dark Knight Returns, yeah. where Batman in 1985 fought Superman mm-hmm. and won. Yeah. And so it became this idea of... Could Batman actually beat Superman, the most powerful superhero of all time? And the general answer is, and this is where Bat God concept comes from. The Bat God concept is, is that Batman could beat anybody if he had enough time to plan it. And Colin could get the drop on them. Yes. And obviously get, Superman could destroy Batman. Yes. So, so, so this is this idea that Batman is, is it becomes Bat God because like it's this idea that like, he is invincible mm-hmm. if he could plan the, the the battle. So if you look back at the Silver Age, you see seeds of this idea being planted. Okay. It's not obviously not as strong as it is in The Dark Knight is a really fabulous example of that. I, I kind of think it's where it origin, or originated. Um, but it starts here because this is where the modern Justice League is introduced. Oh, the classic Big Seven. Exactly. Uh, v Starro. And in order to stand up next to Superman and Wonder Woman and these other pantheon-esque gods, like characters Batman kind of has to level up in terms of his overall abilities even down to how hard he can punch someone versus if you're looking at golden age Batman who's very much a dude in a suit well yes if you're thinking about 1956 Batman right Mm -hmm. on this big seven Justice League you have Superman you have Wonder Woman you have Green Lantern you have Flash you have Martian Manhunter Mm -hmm. Um, who am I missing I'm missing one more because like Batman I'm missing seven Batman Superman Wonder Woman Martian Manhunter. Aquaman. Aquaman. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Aquaman. Forgot Jason Momoa. And um, so, yeah, Batman is the only Mm non-powered. And also, Golden Age Batman just caught a lot of jewel thieves. Yeah. It was always like they were stealing diamonds. Oh, we are definitely, I'm going to tell you the events of an issue that is Batman defending the 1%. <laughs> so, gird yourself. I look for forward that. to it. The Silver Age is also the first time that stories introduce a darkness into Batman, both visually and emotionally, that will only bloom and grow and get more murky and ethi- ethically ambiguous as we go along. Mental issues. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a member of only the Dead Dads Club, I mean, not surprised at all. (laughs) Most comic book historians credit which famous editor for Batman's Silver Age evolution, Jason? Oh, you're asking me the question? I am. Um, Editor? Editor. You know the answer. We talked about him in many Bat Family issues. Episodes. Oh, well, okay. Is it Carmine Infantino? It's not. He was not. He worked on it, but he was not the editor. 
Oh, I mean, well, my gut tells me Denny O'Neill, but I knew he he was a writer. Yep. You're so you're saying all these names, Julie Schwartz. Oh yes, which you okay. which yes, you knew. Yes, uh, yes, yes. If you've listened to our Barbara Gordon episode, we talk about Julie Schwartz a yes, lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Schwartz is responsible for overseeing the introduction of the Justice League, updating it from the Justice Society, which we just talked about a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. and for placing Batman in a position of prominence and leadership of the team for the first time. Okay, so it was his mandate. He also mandated an update of Batman's costume, including the introduction of the yellow oval around the bat symbol. Personally, for me that's one of my favorite aspects of the bat suit i love a bat suit with the yellow oval it's why i love cassandra kane's batgirl costume uh jason now i have an important question for you my favorite part of the batman costume of course it's the gauntlet with the razor claws it's the 90s ass <laughs> bat suit. no i'm sorry which question um <laughs> so my actually what i was going to ask you later on do you like the yellow oval or what is your favorite detail of the bat suit oh like the kind of the classic any bat standard suit, any bat suit and this is like a, a, co- a side question for the listeners. Do you want a solo episode on like our favorite bat suits? I mean, maybe. Or favorite costumes? Uh, oh, so, so, so the first question is, am I pro yellow oval? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or am I pro? Because the yellow oval is divisive. It is divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not <gasps> pro yellow oval. My heart. How yep. dare you get off this podcast? No, I love the classic black symbol mm. on the gray. Okay. Okay. But I will say this. Yes. I know it's a story that you're not a big fan of. That's okay. And we already talked about it. Frank Miller's the dark Knight returns. Mm-hmm. Very famous graphic novel in 1985. Frank Miller gave the best explanation for the yellow. Yes, oval he did. Ever, uh, yes, he did. And I will pres- absolutely take my the hat. idea of presenting a target mm-hmm. because it's his most uh, padded Armor. area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, as soon as I heard that the yellow oval finally made sense to me. Um, I am not. I prefer a bat suit. I'm a short-eared Batman guy. That was a question I was going to bring up later. Short ears. <laughs> we can we can go more detail. Uh, I'm short ears, no oval. <laughs> but my favorite part of the bat suit, yeah. Besides the scallops on his I gloves, I do love the scallops. Love the scallops. Yeah, yeah. I love his utility belt. Do you like it to be yellow? Of course. Yay. Yeah. But I want big, <laughs> bulky, bulky you got to be able to put a lot of stuff in it. Oh, I want it to look like a rucksack. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember a few years ago? Um, it might have been DC Direct uh-huh. um, sold a, a Batman utility, utility, belt. utility belt. And it was huge. It was and it yep. was for a man who, who probably weighed like 300 pounds. Like it was for a chunky oh, Batman. No, if, you, if you put all the stuff that he needed to put into that belt. Kind of one, like what I weigh. One, it would pull your pants down. Yeah. But two, <laughs> it would also, yeah, it would, it would weigh like 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jason, here's my second question of can you name? Can you name the artist who was tapped by Julie Schwartz to handle the Batman costume updates? And I will say you have already said his name. In this episode? You have. I did? Legendary oh, wow. Flash artist. Was oh, it Carmen Infantino? It is Carmen Infantino. Well, my other guess was going to be Dick Sprang. Uh, it was but, not Dick but Sprang. But Dick Sprang is a golden age Batman artist. He is, yeah. yes. Uh, it draws my favorite chins in comics. Mm-hmm. So, if you remember... I, I didn't know Carmine updated Batman. That's yeah, really cool. Carmen Infantino is all over yes, this yes, episode. Yes, yes, oh yes. my gosh. Um, I And I went back and I read a lot of these and I looked at a lot of these iconic mm-hmm. panels. Uh, truly, like, just Carmine, I think not even a great comic book artist, a great artist. Look, somebody might type this in and I might be completely wrong. I think Carmine Alfantino is also responsible for the Barry Allen Flash costume, which is considerably one of the greatest costumes of all time. Well, you know, we did our Barry Allen episode a long time ago. So someone I'm, else can Google I'm it. I'm going to Google it real quick, but I, I'm looking forward to all, I can hear the people typing. Screaming into their iPhones oh right now. Oh <laughs> all the YouTube comments coming right now. 
If you remember from our Batman the Golden Age episode, Batman's family expanded pretty quickly and the Silver Age pretty much rolled all of this back and went back to the tried and trusted formula of Batman and Robin. Carmine Infantino designed the Flash costume. Heck yeah, good call. Retract those comments, you idiots. Yeah, say congratulations, Jasons, you nailed it. No, they won't say that. (laughs) Uh, There's an issue in 1963 known as Robin Dies at Dawn, which fakes the death of Dick Grayson, and the cover is homaged when Jason Todd's Robin actually dies in Death in the Family. Uh, So, Pretty dark for the Silver Age. Not so fun fact, Alfred was actually killed off in 1964. I knew this. And replaced by Aunt Harriet. Fans of the Batman 66 TV show will remember her prominently from her live action appearances. Are you going to talk about where she was played by Madge Blake? Are you going to talk any more about Alfred? I'm just not only to say that he was dead for like a decade, which to be fair is only one of the first of many times he died. So like, thanks Julie Schwartz for setting the bar on that. Um, No, I was not going to talk anymore about Alfred. Did you want to bring something up? Well, there might, there was a time where Alfred was secretly a villain in the silver age. I'm not, I was not going to talk about that. As the outsider. And one one of the times that happened, that was in between one of his deaths. Like when, so he died Mm -hmm. and then he came back, this outsider came back who suddenly like knew everything about Batman. And they was like, it was revealed like, Oh, it's Alfred. Yes. And they literally introduced aunt Harriet to be like no homo in Batman. (laughs) Yes, they did. But they, they retconned that uh, Alfredness. Alfred death so many times. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Alfred's died a billion mm-hmm. times. So, like, don't be that sad. I, and, and at the time of this recording, Alfred is currently dead in record in, in uh, modern continuity. Yes. Again. <laughs> yes. Again. Yeah. Just a time. St- I, I did have back. that. No, he'll come back to. Um, I do think killing Alfred is like maybe the most brutal thing you can do in the Bat family. It's rough. Uh, I don't. I'm not a fan of it as a trope. I'm not saying it's never been done well. I'm just saying it won't be done well in the future because it will happen again. It's just not my preferred trope. It's not my preferred trope because they've never committed to it. Mm-hmm. To me, if you're going to kill Alfred, it has to be like Gwen Stacy. He has mm-hmm. to stay dead for like 20 years. Yeah, or longer. Well, to to have it have that. an impact. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Or it has to be like Barry Allen's original death. Yeah, like it has to like to save the world. It has to, to gal- save the multiverse. It has to galvanize uh, Batman to 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 move on or to do something different, and then inspire the best Flash of all time. Yep. So together, Bruce and Dick went on a decade or so's worth of sci-fi gimmicky adventures. Yeah. And their dynamic did expand to include a third when the world's finest title took off during the Silver Age. Jason, what is world's finest? Who was in it? Uh, Well, of course, everybody's favorite hero, Plastic Man. uh, That's true. That's not a lie. Teamed up with Batman and Robin and they went on many beach adventures where they had to hang 10 across the greatest surf waves of Hawaii. Um, Plastic Man is actually in a lot of the, um, oh my gosh, what are those called? The little short stories at the end of a comic book. Uh, There's back, a sp- backups. Yes, thank you. I didn't know if you had a <laughs> yes, uh, He no. was in a lot of the backups. The world's finest <laughs> is, of course, the title of the first Superman Batman team up book. Oh, yes. Which very- also is a great title. Would be a great it, title for a movie. I can't believe, or a TV show. Yep. I uh, can't believe it hasn't happened That's yet. what they called the, um, in the 90s when they had the Batman anime series and Superman anime series crossover. Mm-hmm. They titled it World's Finest. I believe it's also the title of the first Flash and Supergirl crossover episode. I think so. I think so. Uh, in preparation for this episode, I read a whole bunch of World's Finest. There's some good issues in there and there's also some clunky bad ones. Um, There are some good ones. Most of them follow the same formula. Of course, of because, course. Which to be fair, it's the same thing happens in modern comics so yeah. it's not a dig on the silver age this is just what we're talking about oh yeah right now. oh yeah repeat patterns that's what we just talked about like how that's many times tropes are <laughs> how many times alfred has been killed and brought back and killed and brought back yeah so i thought 
I would pick a shining example of what a classic world's finest story is, and I would break it down for you. Um, Spoiler alert, most of them deal with Batman and Superman being mad at each other and Robin having to make his dad stop fighting. (laughs) So I am going to recount for you the events of world's finest comics number 95. Uh, And I'll share the picture on social media. Quite a ways into the run of world's finest. Yeah, I think... I picked this one because it is extra silly, but the beats are the same. Okay. So we are going to talk a little bit more about the darkness of the Silver Age, but we got to do some of the levity. But this is a prime example well. of Batman and the Silver Age. Yeah. Okay. So Batman and Robin are hanging out when they discover that Batman suddenly out of nowhere has the same powers as Superman. <gasps> Welcome, Intern Brago. Intern Brago just came up to the mic. He did. While trying to save some Gothamites from a burning building, Superman shows up, insults Batman to his face. So Batman refuses his help and says, no, Superman, I don't need you. Batman uses his newfound super strength to pick up a bunch of metal and form a giant rotary saw blade and cut two buildings apart. So only one of them will burn and not the other one, which happens to be a bank, the 1%. Batman and Superman say more nasty things to each other. Then Batman and Superman compete to see who can save more people all around the world until they finally decide that they're going to fight each other and prove who is more super. Suddenly, Robin gets beamed up out of a cornfield to an alien planet where he discovers two aliens have made a bet about whether or not they think Batman with the same powers as Superman is a better superhero or not. They threaten to wipe Robin's memory of their confession, but their supervisor shows up. So they panic and send Robin back to Earth with all of his memories intact. Knowing that their ray-addled brains won't let them believe what he's discovered, Robin tricks Batman and Superman into working together. They overcome their hypnotism and shake hands, proving that they're friends again. The aliens both lose their bets. Their supervisor turns up the race, so Batman and Superman will never fight again. Jason, and, thoughts? And <laughs> my only thought is that that is a lot of plot for like about 30 it's about 36 pages about 36 pages that's a lot that's a lot there are if you go and read anything published before like 95 there are so many words on the panel yeah yeah yeah. it's it's a there's a lot of plot movements um that's very similar to like i think a brave and the bold episode a batman brave and the bold episode that they did which is very funny well we're actually going to talk about the introduction of the brave and the bold comic as well Well, the cartoon was very like you know always aping this silver age style so it's great i mean i i what i think is so funny is that you can sort of tell in 1950s and 1960s storylines, um, and this happened in Star Trek, this idea that, you know, office and suburbia was like kind of a new concept. Mm-hmm. And this idea that alien civilizations would have supervisors, like a supervisor would be like, gleep. Glee, what are you doing with the humans, Glee? <laughs> like, this is literally... Why are you giving them powers? I told you to convert those power converters. This is literally like two dudes in an office building watching two roaches climb the wall yeah. and being like, I I bet you a buck this one will go first. Yeah. And then their boss comes along and is like, Jenkins, you need to be working. No, Gleep Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. My name is Gleep Jenkins. <laughs> and while I'm not providing for my wife, I bet on roaches climbing up the side of the wall. <laughs> He's the energy vampire of the office. You just know it. <laughs> I'm the best insurance salesman this side of the Alpha Quad. <laughs> Sector 28125. Uh, they are fully clothed aliens, though. They're not just like little green men or greys. Do you need cosmic radiation insurance? Gleep Johnson is here for your <laughs> Gleep Jenkins is here for your services. 
I bet Tex would love to franchise with Gleep them. Jenkins. Yeah, Gleep <laughs> Jenkins. <laughs> I'll add him to the list. Great. Super. Look forward uh, to his appearance. You know, I don't think that's a bad storyline. And I think it's interesting how much... Um, this is something a lot of people forget about that mm-hmm. how much Robin is prominent in the world's finest title. Robin is very, he's the third of, cast member. You think of world's finest as being the Batman and Superman show, but it really is an adventure. It is a story of all three of them. And then um, Supergirl does get roped in a little bit later on, or Jimmy will get roped in a little Jimmy later gets on. Re- there's a, a, there's them, a yeah. classic cover where um, Batman and Ro- Batman and Superman are forcing Robin and Jimmy to dig their own graves, mm-hmm. which is like a very dark concept for the Silver Age, but it's a very silly issue. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about Words Finest. Let's go back to like the Batman and Detective Comics title. In the Silver Age, Batman's Rogue Gallery gets a big update. Blockbuster is introduced in the Silver Age, although he does not become super, super prominent until the 90s, where he gets adopted as a Nightwing villain. Other villains introduced in the Silver Age include Man Bat, Poison Ivy, Roz and Talia al Ghul. Damian Wayne is technically conceived during this time. Uh, Not Actually, actually, I, I well, it not technically depends on your it depends uh, on your 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 relationship to the continuity. Yeah, I mean the f- storyline that he is supposedly was supposedly the night that it happened. Yeah, like, doesn't happen until the late eighties. Yes, that's true. So, but if you slam all of Batman's continuity down into one timeline, which we've done, yes, Batman, we've yes, done an episode of Batman's chronological timeline. Damien would have to have been born somewhere in this time period. Yes. Uh, and then whisked away for a long, long time. Yes, and he didn't see Daddy for a long, for about a decade. Yes, other Golden Age villains get updates during this time, including Two Face, who returns to life after a like fifteen year long stint in yeah. limbo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the DC writers I was not familiar oh, with yeah, yeah, until yeah. I did my research for this episode. The DC writers, this the Silver Age is what created the modern Two Face that we all know, the Two Face that we saw in. Uh, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. the Two Face that is my favorite Batman villain. Yes, he is. it comes from this time period because the old Golden Age Two Face was so unpopular. Yeah, that the Batman editors were like, "Don't ever let any Batman writer put this character in a book." Yeah, and then Julie Schwartz was like, "I do what I want," well, and that's the thing. Like <laughs> Julie Schwartz, because um, he also did this when he was in editing the Superman books as well, Mm -hmm. he was very much like, let's look back at some of the characters and stuff that we hadn't done in a while. Uh, That's the same thing. No, He was such a modern thinker. Yeah. He also was the reason why we, they rehabilitated the ultra humanite who Mm -hmm. was basically Lex Luthor 1.0. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, This, uh, this overage also marks the beginning of Joker's more homicidal turn. He's becoming more of a bastion of toxic behavior, you know, kind of like as we know him today. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so interesting, Jason, that you brought up the Joker fish, the laughing fish cover mm-hmm. at the beginning, because for me, when I think of classic Batman Silver Age covers, I'm closing my eyes and thinking about it right now. I think of Rainbow Batman uh-huh. and the laughing fish. You think of a little happy little tree and a nice little stream going by and then. With some fish in it, pol- some polluting the Gotham. Know. Most of the plot of that issue is nice, him polluting the Gotham nice River. Bad signal up in the sky, shining over, you know, a couple little buildings, maybe a mugging happening in the alleyway. You know, it's all, it's your own Gotham City. You can create, we'll do whatever you want. You know, Bob Ross was a Superman fan and not a Batman fan. <laughs> I actually think Bob Ross probably thought comics were silly. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Bob Ross only liked Archie comics. You know what? Archie comics are great. Archie so comics no are great. <laughs> but I bet you he was like, I don't want to read about no mergers and stuff. 
that's fair. Um, I want to read about these kids kissing and having ice cream shakes. Exactly. And making happy little paintings. <laughs> um, but so the Laughing Fish cover was published in 1978. It's pretty late. Yeah. So age. late. And yeah. This is one of the reasons why I'm sort of extending this to 1979. Also, there is a, yeah, there's a publishing reason why as well. But, very iconic cover. But, you, um, but it, it sort of exemplifies the Silver Age for you, right? It's, it's that. I, I, and I it's, always think of it as Silver Age. And cover. it's Batman and Robin being tied to a chair and the Joker coming out of the clock, which led to the Batmobile. To me, that's another very classic Silver Age cover. Well, the other one I think of, mm-hmm. and you might get to this a little bit later, the other one I think about is the it's the one of the early issues of the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill run. And it's the it's the cover where, you know, it, it, it's symbolic. But Joker is like the size of the city and he's yes. holding this giant playing yep. card. And Batman is like hanging on the playing card like, oh, my God, I'm going to slide off. Yeah, that's a great cover. A great, great, great. And that's cover. another one where I think of like Silver Age. Um, and in the Silver Age, this is where we get Bruce Boy as Playboy, Bruce boy bruce wayne bruce as, boy bruce boy as, as as a playboy we see him starting to date a lot and have a lot of romantic interests uh silver St. cloud probably most famous who is able to deduce that he is the person beneath the cowl um in continuity they say based on his chin i say because she's seen him naked that's a green lantern the movie joke for you you're welcome i believe this might also be the era that introduces vicky vale it is mm-hmm. uh who a lot of batman movie fans Fans will be it goes on to Batman 1989. Well. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of Robin, which we were not doing, it's also we don't do that enough, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I on think, the show or in our lives, I think our fans would demand that we talk about Robin a little bit more, and I think we should give them exactly what they want. Absolutely. So I'm so glad that I brought that mm-hmm. up. It was during this time, around 1964, that Dick founded the OG version of the Teen Titans, which is a pretty monumental shift in the Batman D-E-E-N-N-T-I-T-A-N-S. family. T-E-E-N-T-I-T-A-N-S. Teen Titans, mm-hmm. let's go. Although they wouldn't have been that in the 60s. It would have been like T-E-E-N-T-I-T-A-N-S. Like it'd be like sort of That's Jim Morrison. Good, yeah. Teen Titans, go. Yeah, but the OG Teen Titans are pretty square. Um, oh. I talk about them pretty extensively in our Teen Titans part one episode, number 125. Okay. You can check that out. Mm-hmm. It's not until like um, Wolfman and Perez get their hands on them that they become cool. Yeah, you know, okay. squares. Well, they're just more square than like when Beast Boy. I mean, involved. Robin was hanging out with alien insurance salesmen, so I guess he was pretty like. <laughs> he was like, you know where I feel most at home, old chum, an office building. Kid, how many times do I have to tell you? I said, get out of my office. I'm Gleep Jenkins. I've got insurance to sell. <laughs> well, to get be- out of my office, you little brat. <laughs> Look, I was raised inside Wayne Enterprises. I'm very comfortable in a corporate environment. Look, my. Would you like something collated? I can do that for you. I don't even know what that means. We don't have collated. We don't use paper in my culture, you idiot kid. Get out of my office. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Another interview sunk. Why can't I benefit from nepotism? I'm Dick Grayson. <laughs> Who are you talking? Are, are you a comic character? Get out of my office. <laughs> Do you know how many words are on these pages, sir? <laughs> well, in comics, they're always like, oh, if only. And like, I always. So many I, thought bubbles. I've always wanted characters to be like, who are you talking to? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get to Batgirl. And let me tell you, she has that. <laughs> A huge impetus for some of the goofier turns of the Silver Age comics was the popularity of um, the what we now call the Batman 66 show, which we've yes. talked about extensively. Which we just call Batman, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam West and Burt Ward brought a campy levity to the characters, which shaped their on-panel counterparts for years going forward. We're going to talk more about that on our Geek History Lesson Extra episode, which we told you about already, so but come it, check it, that it, out. It, 
you cannot talk about this era with how much that show influenced the comics. The show was super popular. And for a while, the Batman comics just aped the show, Mm -hmm. basically. And I felt it was important to bring this up because the integration of mass media and the machination of the corporate overlords are something that I think most people only equate with modern movies and comics Mm -hmm. like the MCU, like the Age of Ultron v. Age of Ultron discussion. Although it has, in fact, been going on for quite some time, decades, in fact. Um, In addition to World's Finest, DC also introduced another title called Brave and the Bold. Um, Pretty much so Batman could team up with super friends besides Superman, and then they would eventually extend this to other characters besides Batman as well. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, so remember how I talked about how Batman actually got darker during the Silver Age? We're finally going to circle back to that because Batman 66 went off the air in 1969. It ran for three years and DC needed to revitalize their Batman comic book title because the sheen of TV stardom had worn off and uh, not as many readers were reading as they were when uh, Adam West first brought his magic to the airwaves. So, Jason, Uh do you know what they did to revitalize the Batman comic? Um, in what I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, 1969. Okay. Oh, post the series. Yes. I, I mean, is this when Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams come on? Yes. They brought on young buck artist, Neil Adams. Yeah. Okay. Bonus okay. question. I wasn't certain if this was, it was that early, but yeah. Cool. Um, do you know either which title Neil Adams was drawing before Batman or do you know what was the first title where he drew Batman? It's okay if you don't. They're not the same? They're not the same. They are two different titles. The title he was drawing before Batman. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm going to say. Can give you a hint if you want a hint. Please. I would love a hint. Um, There is an Eisner nominated series that has the same title right now drawn, worked on by three people we know. <laughs> Uh, Strange Adventures? Strange Adventures! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did he do post-Batman? 
Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, I thought that was the like, part No, of the it. other one was, what was the first title where he drew Batman? What was the first title? It was The Brave and the Bold, number 79. Oh, okay. It was published in 1968, the year before. I was going to, actually, my guess was going to be All-Star Squadron, so. Um, <laughs> and what's cool about this, is that Brave and the Bold issue, is it's um, Batman and Deadman teaming up. Oh, cool. Which is a combo that we really like. Uh, and Deadman is also a very, a character that Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams use quite a bit. Yes. Oh, uh, very effectively, very, I, very appropriate. I would say. Yeah. Deadman is a tough character character i think to get right has a better look than a better story yes i also don't like the way they write his dialect but that's just me when adams was brought on to batman the bat suit got another update including most importantly long ears so jason i want to ask you why are you a short ears guy okay so here you go when you think about batman Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you're not thinking about alien insurance salesman are you sure because i am well robin is but not <laughs> definitely is um i just think when i think about batman i think to be honest with you when i'm reading a batman story in the art mm-hmm. i kind of want a medium i don't want the ears too long i don't want them too short you don't want them like dark dark night returns tiny tiny yeah, that's almost a little bit too short. Mm-hmm. I want him like kind of medium. Mm-hmm. Like that's the perfect. I think Jim Lee kind of does like the perfect length. Mm-hmm. But I think he looks better mm-hmm. with shorter ears mm-hmm. because some artists like draw his ears like 10 feet long. And you're like, that is so impressive. You know how many fans and jet engines those we get caught in? <laughs> I like. What do you? I know you're a long. You're a Tim Sale, like kind of long ears. Tim guy. Sale draws my favorite version of Batman. Yeah. Um, Actually, I would call Neil Adams ears a medium length. Um, yes, but he was the first one to lengthen yes, them he was. to make them not yeah. just squat little short. Yes, they're definitely not Tim Sale long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I always liked the long ears because when I was first reading Batman back in my day, we did not have cell phones and Bluetooth. So I always thought that he had, <laughs> I always thought that he would have had radio antennas inside there. And that was how he could communicate with Oracle. Mm. Um, like when I was reading comics in the nineties, it made sense to me that he would have really long ears. How that was how my grasp of technology worked. You got to, as a child. you actually have to think about it. Like in the sixties or seventies, like Batman probably had to pull a radio antenna out of one of his ears. And it's like five feet tall and like dialed the number. Yeah. Get a rotary I mean, phone, cell phone. This is we used to say this a lot when we first started. Geekers just in comics. Yeah, like comics. you just kind of have to ex- give it away to magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil Adams is also credited with being the first one to draw the cape in the longer style, um, looking more like bat wings, which is also a trope that I really like in terms of Batman's design. How do you mean by bat wings? Oh, you mean like actual bat wings? Yes, like oh, okay. it's the, like they're, I thought they're the plane. I'm sorry. they are they're like ribbed. Yeah. Um, and they're shaped more like bat wings well, or they furl out like a shadow, which is something that Tim Sale would pick you, up later. It, yeah. um, um, and a lot. Uh, Greg Capullo does a lot where it, it's like the cape has a life of its own and it starts with Neil Adams. If you go uh, and this is perfect, actually, if you go and look at kind of the Silver Age cape lengths, mm-hmm. they're usually around the lower buttocks. Yes, they're shorty or the mid knee yep. level. Um, now, Neil Adams I think is the first Batman artist that he lowers that Batman cape to almost ankles or it's dragging on the floor at all times, mm-hmm. which creates this idea and gives artists a lot of uh, ability to um, make it like a Dracula cape. It's scarier. And now, it's so interesting that you brought this up about the Batman cape, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a big believer that Superman's cape should be knee level and no longer. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman's cape does not go down to his ankles. I agree. But it's also going to lead us, Ashley, into... 
Action figure spotlight. Action figure spotlight. Um, very recently, Todd McFarlane, who now has a very also started on Batman. Yep. Uh, drew a bunch of Batman Year Two. Very famous for Spawn. Great at uh, capes. His company now has the toy license for DC Comics, mm-hmm. and they just announced this insane. Oh, I saw blue it. Blue and gray yeah. Batman action figure, where his cape is like a mile long. When I saw that cape, my first thought is that action figure going to fall over. Uh, I did too. <laughs> Got to lean. It's also like the first Batman action figure I've seen in a long time, where I've been like. I think I might want that. <laughs> so uh, that is our action figure spotlight for today is the McFarlane toys. I, I don't know what they're calling. I think they're calling it like a Batman year two. It's based on McFarlane's yeah. art. Yeah. But like, yeah, you can trace that all back to Neil Adams. Um, this era as well. Danny O'Neill introduced. This was the first time that all Batman comics were set at night. That never happened consistently before this. So I thought that's a fun fact. Uh, It is a fun fact. So now I want to rewind a little bit. I want to go back to 1967 because we have the introduction of all new original Batgirl. Barbara Gordon is introduced. We do have a full length episode on Barbara Gordon. Uh, She is introduced in Detective Comics number 359. What year was that? I'm sorry. 1967. Okay. Because there was the TV show, right? This is the TV show. Yeah. There had previously been a Batgirl. Kate, uh, Kate Kane. Betty Kane. Oh, Kate Betty Kane. Kane's niece. Ah. Kate Kane was Batwoman and then she was rehabbed uh, yes, in the modern great. age. That's great. So um, I'm going to tell you what happens in her introductory comic, because to me, this is such a classic Silver Age Batman issue. Uh, fun fact, I used to have a dress with this cover on it. Uh, and for me, this is a white whale issue. I would love to own a reading copy of it just to have it. And the bat purse on the cover is iconic. So this is what happens. When Barbara Gordon is first introduced. Self-proclaimed plain Jane doctor Barbara Gordon, she's a PhD, is sewing her costume for the policeman's ball in the Gotham City Library. You can't actually rent sewing machines from libraries. That's not the weirdest thing about this. She is um, she has converted a closet in the public library into her personal changing room from whence she emerges as Batgirl, having named herself after Batman without his permission. Now, she's only dressing in this costume to go to this event to support her dad. Mm. She's not intending to be a superhero. She just thinks it's a cute look. She hops in her roadster and heads to the policeman's ball. But then a pair of goons accost the car in front of her. Uh, they are moth men. They work for Killer Moth. They sadly do not look like the cryptids. I'm so sad to report. Inside the car is Bruce Wayne, who's dragged out of his limousine until Batgirl happens upon them and saves him. Instead of saying thank you, Bruce runs off and leaves Batgirl alone to fight Killer Moth. But then he returns like six pages later as Batman. They fight off Killer Moth together. The next day... Batman and Robin learn that Killer Moth has been blackmailing Gotham City billionaires and extorting money from them, the 1%. This goes on for months and months and months and months. Barbara keeps training and worrying about how plain she looks. She's a brown belt in judo, which to me feels slightly misogynistic. Why not just make her a black belt? It's a better shorthand. Mm -hmm. By the way, she is also so beautifully drawn by Carmine Infantino in this book. I took several screenshots to share. I cannot believe the amount of time she goes, boy, I'm plain, plain Jane Barbara Gordon. I can't believe I'm so like she looks so beautiful. She's constantly talking down on herself. Yeah, because patriarchy. 
Bruce Wayne commissions Barbara Gordon to find him a rare book. It's actually a book of Psalms. So when it arrives, she drives to his mansion to deliver it in the middle of the night, judging by the coloring of these panels, when she discovers that Bruce has been murdered by the Mothman. This is actually where the Bat Purse comes in. She's carrying this $150,000 book of Psalms inside the Bat Purse. And am I right or wrong that this is Miss Mothman later becomes Killer Moth? It is. Like, Killer is, Moth is Moth. their leader. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Mothmen are what they call his. Oh, goons. they're the henchmen. The yeah, henchmen. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it turns out Bruce Wayne wasn't dead. Batman and Robin left out a lifelike dummy and were hiding in the shadows ready to pounce. And they're mad that Batgirl beat them to it and starts taking down the goons. When Batgirl learns that she's ruined their plan to get back all these billionaires money, she bursts into tears and they leave her back at Wayne Manor to chase the bad guys because, and I quote, we can't worry ourselves about a girl. <laughs> Unwilling to be put in a corner, Batgirl steals a bat cycle and follows them to the Moth Mansion, that is what it is called, where Batman and Robin get stuck in a gravity-free room floating toward the ceiling like they're in Mary Poppins. But Batgirl's a smarty. She's a doctor with a PhD. So she puts a magnet in her boots and she's able to free the dynamic duo from the room through the power of a magnet that might be the size of a quarter. They fight the Mothmen. Robin is apparently a Key and Peel fan because he says the word took in on panel. Batgirl is able to find Killer Moth hiding in a control room because he still smells like the perfume she was wearing earlier. And Batman punches him right in the head. Batgirl later right. meets. Yeah, truly, that's what happened. OK. Batgirl later meets Commissioner Gordon and is introduced as part of the Bat family. And when uh, James and Babs are at home that night, he says, quote, that Batgirl sure is tops in my books. Too bad you couldn't be a bit more like her, Babs, which I think confirms our headcanon that he knows it's Batgirl all along. Of course. And that's Batgirl's first appearance. Yay. Yeah. It's both sillier and better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> One, I just think of Batman being like, how dare that girl like screw up i spent so much money on that lifelike dummy and then i wanted to Honestly, punch them. i wanted to get my aggression out of those guys i'm sad to tell you it's more robin than batman robin's a real dick to her in this issue <laughs> literally pun absolutely intended how dare that girl punch up those bad guys that we want to hit batman uh very that unwanted teenage male aggression <laughs> <laughs> so they welcome batgirl into the family and then in 1969 two years later batman faces his biggest challenge jason do you know what it is uh, therapy. Dick Grayson goes to university. Oh, no. He leaves Wayne Manor. Who will get my barbecue sauce out of the refrigerator when I need it? <laughs> I can't remember if Alfred's alive at this time, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, bonus question. Do you know what the name of the university is that he goes to? Oh, um... Oh. It's the name of a very famous uh, river and a very famous trading company mm. and a bay. Uh, Hudson, Hudson University. Hudson University. Yeah. And because sadness, oh, I guess Alfred is alive. Bruce and Alfred board up Wayne Manor and they move into a high rise in Gotham. Oh, yeah. In a move that Christopher Nolan would later steal in his Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, no, this is this is a period that later Batman writer Grant Morrison would call yes. the James Bond period. Very where, where, that. He, where he was the happening bachelor, bachelor out of Wayne Tower. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know I <laughs> Put, put the plywood on the windows, Alfred. We can't live here anymore. <laughs> no, it's fair. He's like, oh, no, my son moved like upstate. I am crushed. Um, then so hey, it's literally like an hour away. 
Yeah, at most. Because yeah. he's back in Gotham all the time fighting crime. This it's is, not like he went off with Gleep Jenkins. And believe me, Dick tried. There's actually a really funny issue um, that I read years and years ago, not in prep for this, but where he is at Hudson U being like hot guy around town. He gets invited out to a party and he goes out to a party where they're um, at a bonfire drinking beer. And Robin is basically like, we're not 21. We can't drink beer. Silver Age. The 1970s introduced several writers who become forever associated with the Batman title to this day, including Denny O'Neill, who we've talked about a lot so the far. The great Denny O'Neill. Steve Englehart. Mm, Steve Englehart is a great one. They're, they just released on um, DC a bunch of like Legends of the Dark Knight, Stevie. Yes. And they're great. They're great. Legends of the Dark Knight and all-time great Batman's title. I can't believe they mm-hmm. lapsed. Mm-hmm. And Len Wein, who yep. we, we unabashedly love on Len this Wein, who, as we've discovered, uh, created... Everything you like about everything. <laughs> uh, well, he created Lucius Fox. Yes, and he did. All the related that, Lucius Fox characters. Later, so. and I said, and Len Wein introduced Lucius Fox in 1979, yep. where we're going to end this lesson. Yeah. Uh, Denny O'Neill described his take on Batman in a book called The Many Lives of Batman, Critical Approaches to a Superhero and His Media as, quote, simply to take it back to where it started. I went to the DC library and read some of the earlier stories. I tried to get a sense of what Kane and Finger were after, end quote. And that is why I believe when he came onto the book with Neil Adams, the silliness went away, the aesthetic style changed, and the tone style changed as well. I think... Which is also an idea that Grant Morrison adopts. Not enough fans have read... Or know the work of Denny O'Neill, who travesty. Besides Len Wein, there is a strong argument to be made for Denny O'Neill as one of the greatest comic book writers of all time. Oh, for sure. And he just passed away like last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he, man, the stuff he did to Batman is stuff that we take to grant take for granted now and he created it and you would read a lot of those adventures now and you would probably most modern readers would probably be like ah they're kind of goofy and lame but that doesn't make them not great but when you go from something like Barbara Gordon's introduction Mm -hmm. or Rainbow Batman or World's it feels trust me I read a ton of it yeah when Denny O'Neill, it feels so modern by comparison. It feels elevated. So yeah. modern and contemporary. And it, it is it is still uh, dated. It's a piece of when it was created. A brief uh, recommended, advanced recommended reading uh, uh, question here. Um, there is a book. I know it's probably out of print, but I have a copy of it. It's called The DC Comic Style of Writing. Mm. It's written by Denny O'Neill. Ooh, I would love to add that to and our And he talks reading. a lot about how he revamped Batman and his methods in that book. Well, there you go. That's great. Great recommend. Mm -hmm. We will definitely include that. Okay, we're almost done, I promise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I have another quote from Les Daniels, who is a random house um, published critic and writer um, and it's because of his work with them that he's now a lauded comic book historian. He describes O'Neill's take on Batman as quote, a vengeful, obsessive compulsive, which he modestly describes as a return to the roots was actually an act of creative imagination that has influenced every subsequent version of the Dark Knight, end quote. That is correct. And I think that echoes what you were saying. And you, men- well. you mentioned it earlier, but we should like be very clear. Denny O'Neill is the one who created Ra's al Ghul. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have a Russell Gould episode. Yes, we do. Uh, so people can go check yeah. that out. Uh, joining Neil Adams on the artist side during this new era is Dick Shardano, Walt Simonson, and Marshall Rogers. If you don't recognize any of those names, just Google them, comma, Batman, and you will see all of these iconic images that have been homaged, used for film, and printed on T-shirts for our entire lifetime. I'm going to put this post on um, at GHL Podcast on Twitter because I want everyone else to... Um, weigh in on this but jason i want to ask your opinion Uh uh-huh if we're putting with and i mean this with all due respect and we're only talking about this because it's a podcast and it's fun to have opinions who do you give more credit to for introducing the modern batman denny o'neill or neil adams are we going writer or are we going artist on this the correct answer is it's a 50 50 great i love that um because of course because it's collaborative of course well if Anybody that's listening, and I, I know we do have some comic writers that listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some great artists. You know it's a collaboration. It's 100% mm-hmm. a collaboration. And, you know, it's not all the writer and it's not all the artist. Um, I'm going to slightly edge it to Denny O'Neill simply for the fact that Denny O'Neill post- his Batman writing career mm-hmm. became the Batman group editor. Yes, he did for about a, I think 20 years, if not 20, then close. Certainly. Yeah. So just because of that fact, okay, I'm going to give Denny the edge, but just because he worked on Batman longer, mm-hmm. but it's still very close. I still think it's 50, 50. Look, it's just a fun discussion to have. I mean, you can't, That's all. you can't talk about modern comic books without talking about Neil Adams. It's impossible. With the, without the Neil and the O'Neill. <laughs> yes, without the Neil and the O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but have no fear, camp fans. The lightheartedness of the Silver Age was not gone. Uh, while comic book stories did take more gothic twists in Batman and tropes got a lot darker as we entered the 1970s, Super Friends the Cartoon did debut in 1973 and it did cement those versions of the Justice League and of Batman in the hearts and minds of consumers to this day. And I will finally reveal to you in my last point, 
We're going to close this episode by letting you know that Julie Schwartz, who kicked off all the madness of the Silver Age, ended his tenures as Batman's editor in 1979. So that is where we are going to end our Batman the Silver Age lesson today. Woo! Woo! That was a long and winding journey. One of the most fun parts of doing this episode for me was looking into Robin and Batgirl because I love young characters and I love their coming of age stories. And I just want to say that if people are interested in checking out those issues or checking out something similar, Jason and I also have a redheaded superhero named Jupiter Jet. And you can get her stories and see how they stack up next to Barbara Gordon's origin story um, if you go and check out our bookstore. Right, Jason? Yes, it's over at jasoninman.com slash store. Uh, we want to just put it out there into the world. Um, you know, don't buy that book on Comixology or Amazon. Buy it directly from us because you get it signed and we throw in swag. And um, yeah, it's very and Brago hairs. And it's very similar to the tone of these Batman stories. It so, actually is. We were very influenced by Slurry's we were. story. <laughs> All right. So let's go to the next section of the podcast. What is that? <laughs> I just put in a sound effect that Ashley can't hear. Uh, that is the recommended reading where if you are looking for some suggestions on what to read about Batman in the Silver Age, uh, Ashley's going to give you some great choices here. We've already given you a couple in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you want a full list of everything we've ever recommended for all 383 episodes of GHL, you can find that full list at geekhashwellesson.com slash recommended reading. We have a list for every single episode. Uh, so Ashley, what's the recommended reading for Batman the Silver Age? So in addition to everything already mentioned, we are also going to include Batman colon the Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1 with a little asterisk. This is a pre-order for 2022, so it will not come out till next year. But as somebody who did not have access to this omnibus and had to find these in issues individually, it's so much harder. Um, I would recommend checking it out. DC does a really good job with their omnibuy. Is it a bat? This is a Batman Silver Age omnibus. Yes, but it's coming out next year, oh, so it's okay. a pre-order right now. But one you can get right now, which I referenced a lot in my research, was World's Finest Omnibus Volume One: Batman, Robin, Superman, Avengers. They are fun 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 this would be a great coffee table book this is also i think a great book for all ages of readers cool i am also going to tack on batman a celebration of 75 years and detective comics a celebration of 80 years because they do an excellent job curating specific issues that highlight each era and i got some of my most useful reading on specific issues from both of these collections so that is your recommended reading cool all right now we're going to, are we doing the teaching tweet, Ashley? Yes, we are. We are doing the teaching tweet. This is a section of the podcast that I've tried to get rid of several times. For like but, six years. But listeners like Gleep Jenkins keep bringing it back. <laughs> so Ashley <laughs> is going to sum up the entire lesson in the size that can only be contained of a tweet. You can see this tweet at GHL Podcast over on Twitter. Ashley, mm. take it away. Batman the Silver Age. Rainbows and bat girls and long ears. Oh my. And by the way, if you go check that out, you can see our very important Boise Watch update from our Shang-Chi episode. Say what now? Yeah. Remember when we asked for people from Boise? Yeah. But how are you? How are we, how are we sharing this? How, how, uh, one of our sweet listeners sent a picture of him at Boise State U and we tweeted it. We did. So we, we have an update on we have on Boise Watch. Oh, yeah. We yeah. did put a shout out to our Boise, Idaho listeners. Um, I'm going to, you know what? Since we're here, we'll, sure. see, we'll see who's listening. Um, by the way, that was a really long tweet. Um, Thank you. That was all in the tweet? <laughs> all right. of that was in the all tweet. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to throw out another update here. Oh, boy. Hold on. We're going to see if we have any listeners. In 
Dayton, Ohio. Okay, okay. Wait, wait, did I just, did I, Boise? Is it, Boise, Idaho, Dayton, Ohio. Different cities, different states. Thank you. Sorry, sorry. I thought, I thought, sorry, sorry. My brain, it's, I'm sorry. I'm a little, I'm a little tired right now. Um, Dayton, Ohio. Does, do we have anybody listening in Dayton, Ohio? If so, take a picture. Uh, we got to send that Boise guy something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I haven't done that. I'm on it. Okay. I'm I hope you are. It's, All going, right. it's literally going out today. So Dayton, Ohio, if you're out you're there, up, baby. you're up. We're, we'll send you for, something. First one of emails, geekhistorylesson at gmail.com. We're going to send you something Batman related. We got something Batman. Uh, okay, related. great. Something Batman. Great. Dayton Watch. Dayton Watch 2021. Dayton Watch 2021. (laughs) I'm going to make a note about that. Ashley, what's next? uh, Next is our honor roll. And we have an international honor roll today, baby. I want to give a special shout out to Chris Cook of One Cross Radio. Um, That is his podcast. Sorry, Ashley, I got to pause the podcast right now. Yeah. I was literally, we, everybody, we do in GHL. And by the way, Yes, I know I interrupted Ashley. Chill, okay? This is a special moment, <laughs> and we're all going to share it together. <laughs> Ashley. Mm. We, I, everyone, we have a little notebook that I keep notes in. That's how we keep notes of like, yeah, oh, it's, hey, it's so, so, themes. social stuff, whatever. I picked up this notebook, uh-huh. and you will not believe what just fell out of this notebook. Literally just like <laughs> oh, I'm no. holding it in my what, hands what, right okay, now. Okay, what fell out? This is what the winner of Dayton Watch is going to get. Oh, boy. It is a Batman. Oh my God, decal! A Batman decal bumper sticker literally fell out the notebook. How long has that been in there? Uh, a decade, I don't know. I mean, probably <laughs> no. So, so if if we have a date in Ohio, that's what you're getting. That's magic. That liter- I literally picked up the book to write, and, and it, it fell and out. It fell out. I'm not making oh, any I'm of this up. I'm trying so hard not to swear right now because, like, that's so cool. I am not making this up. So that's what you're getting. You're getting this old Batman decal, which I think is also could be a dumb bumper sticker. It's pretty cool. It's the, it's the oval. It's the yellow. It's definitely oval. designed yeah. to go on a car or some somewhere outside. Okay, so let's go back to the honor roll okay. where we uh, read everybody. If you want to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. we will read your review on the air, and you get to join the GHL honor roll. Ashley, yes. Who's joining the honor roll this week? Um, I know oh, you started tonight. That's okay. Asterix, if you are international, we can't access your Apple podcast. Email it. Geekhistorylisten at gmail.com. Yeah. Chris Cook, who runs One Cross Radio. It's a podcast. He said we did not have to read his review, and he said we did not have to shout out the podcast. So I said I am doing both. Um, I have listened to his podcast. It's really good. I recommend the Shin Godzilla episode personally. This review comes from Canada. So, of course, I, oh, we had to, Canada. What's the second line of that song? Glebe Jenkins <laughs> thinks of thee. <laughs> <laughs> Our home and native land. So, Chris says, five stars. Fantastic crash course. Oh, thank you. I discovered this podcast this past January and have binged most of the episodes. Yeah. Ashley and Jason present everything in a fun and accessible way, always showing zeal for the topics, even when it's a character they don't like. <laughs> this podcast is great for old and new geeks alike. It serves as an excellent crash course where you can learn and relearn about these wonderful characters or books or films, etc. I could tell he's listened to us a lot in an easy to follow and digestible way. I have... Seen some reviews saying they get on their woke soapbox too much, and I have to disagree. While they do address things in a woke way, Jason or Ashley ever beat you over the head with it or do it in an accusatory or divisive manner. They offer their opinion, woke or not, and address how in modern times it might be different, more careful, more diverse, but not in a way that says boo what came before, which gives great moments of loving challenge. 
Oops, sorry, wrong sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did you shoot him? <laughs> no, I actually uh, opened the hailing frequency. Oh, that's okay. There's your applause, good sir. There's your applause. Thank uh, you, Chris. And I want to Canada s- from Canada. Nice. And I want to say it's a. Uh, it's lovely to be seen like that because that is what we mean when we talk about that stuff is like what we that. mean. We're not we don't mean to like point fingers or naysay. It's all all we want to do because this is this is why we call ourselves the Mind University, because my favorite thing about listening to podcasts is to learn. Mm-hmm. And all we want to do is is if we make you think about one of these geeky subjects in a different way that you'd never thought about. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That's learning. Yeah. And that's what we like. It is. So uh, thank you, sir. Thank you from Canada. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for emailing. It, take, it takes a little bit more effort to, to email the international Take a reviews. screenshot. Yes. And we appreciate we our appreciate international that. listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What's next? Oh, is that the only honor roll? That's the only honor roll. Well, the, you know, that's next is guys. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher. If you really like this Batman episode and you know of a Batman fan in your life that's not listening to Geek Cash Lesson, go suggest this episode to them. We want to bring more students into the Mind University and word of mouth is the easiest way to grow the podcast. So we'd really appreciate if you did that. Uh, actually, where can they find us on social media if they want to suggest, um, I guess, Batman the modern age would be the next one i think okay so i think the next one is going to be called batman the bronze age Mm -hmm. um but it'll be very short but there will be a little bit of overlap with some of the stuff that we ended the lesson on and there will be will probably go up until 1990 by the way i just want to say to everybody that over on our patreon is one of our goals we have a robin the golden age as a goal but i'll tell you what i want to do it if a lot of people (sighs) suggest it We'll do it. Oh, we'll wanna, do it. I want to do it. So because Rob, we were talking about this the other. We were talking about that the other day, and we kind of feel like Robin is like one of the only other characters that like you could kind of do this to. That has enough content. That has eighty yep. years of yep. content that you could go deep dive into it. Look, and we talked about earlier in the episode. You've been asking for more Robin talks. So we're going to keep it about Robin talk. Well, I know everybody <laughs> keeps saying they're like, guys, I wish you would talk about Robin more, mm-hmm. and I, I just think we should do it. So, I, uh, Ashley, did you say the social media? I'm sorry. I don't me. even know. Uh, you can find us at Facebook.com/slash/GeekHistoryLesson or on Twitter at GHL Podcast. We absolutely appreciate all of your recommendations. Please make sure that they get to one of those places mm-hmm. so that we get them on our list, which is 500 things long now. <laughs> Yeah, we were going to do a yesterday lesson until we die. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that. No. Seven I've, years. You seven think years we're going to die in seven years? No, we've been doing the podcast for seven we years. We have been doing the podcast. Are, are you saying we're going to die in seven years? No, but that seemed to be what you were going to do. Because I said until we die and you said seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and I was we're going to die in seven years. We got a lot of stuff to do. We got a lot of comics to read. Ashley doesn't know. Ashley doesn't know. I'm very good at improv and picking up cues. Seven years. play the sound effect for everybody. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley doesn't get to hear the sound effect. I don't. Ashley, you're not going to die. You're going to live forever. I'm going to make sure that Gleep Jenkins takes you into the immortal universe. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, Gleep's a nice guy. Uh, don't forget to follow Ashley, by the way, before she dies, on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> at Ashley V. Robinson. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram before I die. And don't forget to uh, go... Uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Jawin. We're going to tell our Burt Ward stories if you want to hear those and support this lovely podcast. Uh, now we're here for the final section of the podcast where we called hashtag stick around where mm-hmm. we make sure that you stuck through all the plugs where we do the promotions. Yeah, I know the promotions are annoying, but you know what? 
it's the only way that we can live for more than seven years. Then so. you can pay us to produce this podcast and take them out. Well, the patrons do. I know that. I know. <laughs> and we thank them for it. Yeah, but the patrons, our patrons are awesome. They get a lot. And of they don't complain. They get a lot They're of not the people complaining. They're yeah. super friends. They're <laughs> they cool. are. So Ashley, what's, uh, what's in the hashtag? Have a very important question for you. Okay. Uh, if you could wear one of the rainbow Batman suits, which color would you pick? Uh, you might need to remind me of the colors. Okay. Uh, you vamp and I will pull it up. Uh, the rainbow is a beautiful thing. Do, 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 do. I don't know. Um, I do love that we came up with Gleam Jenkins though. I don't okay, think he'll ever so you're What are our colors? Possible are our options. <laughs> they don't know the Roy G. Biv abbreviation. I guess it would have been. Why did I ask? It's I know not, Roy G. Biv. It's not, it's not it's Roy G. Biv? pink, okay. orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. I kind of think the green one looks cool. Interesting. It's like a, it's a mint green. It's a very light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green. I know we the have all those pop Funkos of the Rainbow Batmans. Uh, those that set mm-hmm. is one of my favorite Funko offerings Again. to this day. Mm-hmm. So great. Um, I would take the purple personally. Yeah, I kind of figured. Yeah, well, there's no red option. It's pink. Pink is not my color. I I'm not a blonde. You take that purple option. You. Thank you for leaving it for me. I didn't do that on purpose. Well, actually, I need to do that because if you're gonna die in seven years, I gotta make sure. You gotta give me everything I want. Gotta make sure you're getting there. I got to I'm put I put a call out to Gleep. I don't think he's going to get here in seven years. I will say if something time relativity if something is a hell of a thing. Tragic happens and I do die in seven years. This is going to be used against you in the court of law. Will it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> OK. Do you want like black armbands like Superman when Superman died? When I die? Yeah. No, I want to be turned into a tree. Would it be like Brego's face <laughs> on the black armband? Uh, it'd either be Brego's face or it would be like Tim's Inter- R, ca- R shield. Oh, you just want an R, a Robin shield? People are like, why are you wearing that Robin shield? Well, because Ashley Victoria Robinson died. What does that got to yeah, do with I'm Ashley? Yeah, I'm a corporate shield. At least you have R in your name. Or that the, is true. Oh, there it you could go. be the R of the Robinson. There you go. That's what we're going to say it is. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm All glad right. we've had this discussion. Uh, intern Cat Brego has not chimed in. He's hiding in his high spot. He's that planning he my he's demise. He is. He's going to be the one that kills you, by the way. He's just going to fall asleep on my face one night. That's going to be the excuse when they play this in a court several years later. The cat did it? Yeah, and Turncat Brego did it. He told me. Well, he should be alive in seven years, so. Let's hope. You better be. <laughs> this conversation took a dark turn. Just, Just like, like the Silver Age. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Geek History Lesson. I am Jason. Love my pixie boots, Inman. Uh, I also think you made the pixie boot joke in the Dick Grayson episode. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. Good jokes never go out of style, just like Batman 66. And Ashley, please <laughs> dismiss this class. Class is now dismissed. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.